You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. The Boss Hog of Liberty podcast is the latest hit on the We Are Libertarians network. Each week, Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis explore life in Henry County, Indiana. It's a show about our circle of friends, public officials, and our experiences. 80% observation, life, humor, and 20% politics. Boss Hog of Liberty is the day-to-day happenings of Henry County, Indiana, which is just like your community. Add us on iTunes and sample us today. Dear Leader would want you to. Hey there, Liberty lovers. This is Mark Clare of the Lions of Liberty podcast, where we strive to bring you great conversations about the ideas of liberty three days a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Check us out at lionsofliberty.com. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow Podcast, striking the root every single episode. Hey, Liberty Rockers, this is Johnny Rocket from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Each week, I strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, economists, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check it out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com or find us on iTunes. Each show is action-packed, explicit, and a lot of fun. So join me at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com every week for the newest episode. Keep liberty alive and rock and roll. It's no Africa, but it'll do. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. This show is... uh, Oh, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and subscribe on Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. In exchange for supporting our program, we give you all kinds of bonus content and free stuff. You get to hear uh, Harry... Loki Wall. It's an extra show a week, only available to our Patreon subscribers on podcast. Uh, you hear the beginnings. Uh, I need to get back to doing some bonus shows. I promise I will do that. I'm, I'm just busy, okay? Uh, but we, we appreciate you. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll fill you, you in with no life. I don't. Uh, please be warned that this show is raw, unedited, and authentic, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. With me is uh, one of the OGs, Chris Galt, coming back. Hey, everybody. How are you? Good to be back. Nice to have Enjoying you here. Enjoying Flag Day today. Flag Day. Flag Day. Also Donald Trump's birthday. Can you uh, switch Memorial Day and Flag Day? It's the same thing, right? It, you know, Trump troops right. in the flag. Exactly. Same thing. Trump troops in the flag. That's right. <laughs> Bad joke. Also I here from Creighton on Facebook. Paul Copeland, how are you? Doing well. All right. Second appearance. Hope, hope you don't hit that sophomore slump. You're already getting there. What's going on with you? What's going on with me? In what regards? <laughs> <laughs> the shirt? You didn't even prepare that. It's I like know. you're... you're uh, no, I, I'm literally... Uh, uh, I, I just wanted to fluster him because it's funny. Like, sophomore slump. 
He panicked. He was like, uh, what am I supposed to do? I apologize. I, I, don't just, know, I don't know what to do with my hands. I didn't mean to treat you like my own puppet. <laughs> but let's be honest. Uh, so... Nice to to have uh, two people here instead of just me. I felt that uh, I did okay. I, I did the last show for the first time ever by myself. I'd never done the show alone. Uh, I've done some small, short Chris Spangle shows. Another podcast out there that you can get, the Chris Spangle Show. And I've done some of those alone, but this was two and a half hours of talking. And to yourself. I, to myself. <laughs> I honestly was like, I don't know how. I have no idea how this is going to go. I have no idea what I'm going to do. How am I gonna not? How am I gonna have a conversation alone? And then I didn't shut up. People liked it. Uh, yeah, I got some really sweet notes about the last show. So uh, I appreciate those of you who listened and were impacted by that. And I, I am already getting notes from people saying uh, I made a, th- I made an appointment with a therapist. So <laughs> I appreciate that, and I am glad that I was able to help you. I think that uh, I was able to talk about suicide and depression in a way that is not – it's not wallowing. It's not, whoa, look at me. It's – like to me, depression and suicidal thoughts are like diabetes. Like you don't just eat candy for dinner. If you have diabetes, you go to the doctor, and you get yourself healthy, and you do things to make yourself healthy. If you have a heart attack, you don't just go, well, my time's almost up. You go to the doctor, you get medication, you get yourself fixed. But for some reason, when it comes to issues of mental health, we treat it like it's not an organ that is failing. So uh, I try to give you very practical advice. So if you skip that show, I hope that you will go back and listen because everybody at some point in their life will deal with depression or they will deal with somebody in their life that is depressed. And uh, I give you very practical advice. And then at the end... I do an okay job. I was not crazy. I, looking back, I think I did a poor job of really articulating exactly what I was trying to say, but I repeat myself a lot, so stay tuned. <laughs> we'll <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get another chance. Yeah. I just think that uh, people are living without meaning, and the way that we've structured society are not – it's not giving people meaning. Um, and then the people who do try to help get torn down, like Jordan Peterson – I'm going to see Jordan Peterson tomorrow night. So uh, any of you incel beta... Man, he's a sexist. Uh, any of you misogynistic incel Gosh. betas going? Are you, you going? You're going to Liberty and Chill, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to Liberty and Chill, right? Uh, which is my therapy right. every week with Harry. What is Liberty and Chill, Paul? It's a weekly hangout uh, with liberty-minded or liberty-curious people. Uh, we have all sorts of people come. We have avowed left-wing socialists in some cases uh definitely a variety of thought but you know it's oh, that's not a place i want to go yeah you uh, want like, just purity sounds like china well <laughs> if you're for Russia. purity then what are you doing outside the woods well, of new hampshire <laughs> for capitalism <laughs> i'm going to the i will this time next week i will be entering uh pork fest one, wow, week, really? one week one week from today i've always wanted to go tell me let uh, me know how great it is because I will let you Man. know. I will give an honest assessment. Who, who's going with you? Just me. Oh, wow. Just traveling on my lonesome. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of people there that I'll, I know. Oh, yeah. um, Mark Claire, uh, Johnny Rocket from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad and uh, now Launchpad Media. And Roger Paxton and I have a little, nice. group, a little group chat. And yeah, Mark and I were working on some stuff for National, swapping some information. And Roger... Can you guys take this out of chat, please? And I just replied, no. And he left. 
He left <laughs> a little baby. He's uh, just busy with pork fast, so Well, <laughs> he wasn't. I don't think he was mad. I think he was just busy. See, you should try to smuggle niece in just so that he can meet Claire in person. No, Claire. Who? <laughs> Mark Claire. Mark Claire. Uh, no, it's Roger that hates him. Here's the thing about Nice. Nice is going too hard right now. I'm worried about James. <laughs> and you, you solve this for me. Like James is going in. What? He got three level eighty paladins now. No, I don't know what's going on with him. But James, <laughs> James is level caps one ten. I believe. Oh man, it's how long it's been for me. <laughs> he's a professional shit poster, but he's taking it to LeBron levels right now. Like he's. He's going in the LP delegates groups oh, no. and posting waifus. Oh, because the election's over. And anime titties. <laughs> like, I don't know what he's doing, but he's just, he's like, I want to know what Nick Sarwark thinks of these waifu titties. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, that's, I, I mean, at this point, it might be the saving grace for Nick to come out in support of them. <laughs> Which I don't get. Uh, like, trust me, I have had my uh, druthers with with Nick, but I'm I'm looking at the competition and Nick seems to be the only adult in the room. Uh and Nick has actually done a really good job with the with the office. So I don't quite get why Nick's in trouble other than the populist part of the internet libertarians are going, "We want change. We want change," which happens all the time. But I think once you get to New Orleans and like all the people who actually show up to vote instead of just talk online, Show up, I think. I think it'll be. I think Nick will get reelected. That's my prediction, uh, and I think that's probably for the best of the party because Josh Smith seems like a very you know decent guy, but I think he's got some real problems in terms of his experience, and he's showing it right now. Right. So I definitely would like to see him cut his teeth at something a little bit less high profile. Yeah. So. Liberty and Chill, I interrupted you, as I always do. Uh, Keep talking about Liberty and Chill and what it is. Well, basically, we get together every week. Uh, For us, it's up here at the Triton Brew House on Fort Harrison, and we discuss whatever's on our minds at the time. Have a great time, have great food, and stare at some waifus. (laughs) (laughs) Only when Nice brings his... uh equipment to show off his collection well you told me niece is um niece is struggling because his as he as he termed it in chat his asshole little kids spilled water on his gaming machine and so he's not able to game yeah uh and i definitely think that is causing the symptoms of increased punchiness and (laughs) extreme agitation with ancaps now paul as we have talked a lot about uh in the last couple episodes that the the lack of community is part of the problem in our society and that liberty and chill is going to be something that we are personally going to use to combat it you know as paul said it's his therapy he goes to hang out with his friends he brings friends and everybody else brings friends There's and it's so many available women there it's, everyone is going to want to go many waifus are to be found <laughs> uh, at the i don't even know what that means it's just a funny word what is a waifu uh it's japanese for wife okay. and in Otaku or weeaboo right, culture. That's enough. I'm done. That's fine. <laughs> I, I got the gist of it. <laughs> it's basically a character that you select as your favorite character. Okay. With right. I, that's way a, creepier I, Paul, than it I needs get to it. be. That's. I'm gonna turn your mic off. <laughs> Quiet. You asked. No. It's. I got it. Japanese for wife. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul is actually going to be. 
uh, helping organize some of the Liberty and Chill stuff. Several of you have sent emails. I've given you those emails. I don't know if you've talked to those people yet. Um, I'm publicly calling you out if you have not. <laughs> um, but if you want to be a part of Liberty and Chill and start a Liberty and Chill, then send an email to L-A-N-D-C. So L and C at wearelibertarians.com. Uh, we've got a little form that we're going to ask people to fill out just so we can kind of get a sense of who you are and, and, and neatly collect information. And then what we'll do is we'll put your information uh, for where you're having Liberty and Chill. And, and in this thing, we kind of lay out the rules for what we expect from our chapters, uh, our unaffiliated chapters. Uh, it's not an official organization. It's just, hey, we're uh, we're we're going to say run with the name use it's it anarchy fine yeah take it yeah but it, if you but if you want us to promote you then you need to fill out this form because i want to have at least your email if if i'm going to put your stuff on in case in case some creepertarian abducts a woman i know who <laughs> Under to contact your name. <laughs> Under right. the, yeah i i hereby absolve all oh, man. all insurance and legal matters to liberty and jill but uh, if you want to be promoted on the We Are Libertarians website, then then please L A N D C at bottom top. Or, pff, pff. No. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad slip. See, well, see, when you spend all day doing something, it's I'm very <laughs> at work. Um, oh, I, I'm t- I'm I took a nap today, but I'm still tired. I uh, so anyways, we'll send you the form. You can fill out the form. I'll put the form up on the show notes. Uh, so you have access to that if You're you want to fill that. You're going to say the email address? L-A-N-D-C at wearelibertarians.com. Um, here's the thing. Uh, at work, I'm I'm redesigning. So we use one, four or five vendors for all of – so what I do during the day is I am the web director of a nationally syndicated radio show. So my job is basically what I do at We Are Libertarians. It's – it's crafting online content. It's distributing it. It's it's uh, the strategy that goes behind that. Social media, web design, all that stuff, branding, and uh, we are re- we are reviewing and replacing all five of our vendors at this point. Um, we're keeping most of them. So if you're listening, we're <laughs> but. <laughs> it, it's a big project and it involves a ton of time on you know conference calls listening to some some guy like i had this one sales call with this guy who works at this one company out in in like salt lake city and he sells a contesting platform i think i almost called the national suicide hotline on this guy like he was so miserable she's like and then uh you go over here and you you click that and then they get an email all right, you need anything else? <laughs> okay, all right. Wow. Well, so there are some people who are like, this this product's so exciting, you're going to change your world. And you're like, all right, okay, tone it down. So, yeah, it's it's very busy. And then uh, next week I go to Porkfest. The week after that I go to New Orleans for the national convention. And then two weeks after that I go to Philly for podcast movement. Wow. So three big trips on top of the two big trips I've already Ooh. had this year. I went from never traveling and not liking travel to this is my fate now. 
So <laughs> always traveling, still right. hating traveling. Will you be publishing any content out of those events? Yeah, oh yeah, for, for... yeah. Like at Porkfest, I'm going to do an episode <clears throat> Friday awesome. morning. So if you're at Porkfest Friday morning at nine thirty, I got the prime time slot. Nice. Uh, that shows you what Roger, Roger, <laughs> like Johnny and Mark got like three in the morning, one eight, yeah, like one in the afternoon or three in the afternoon. I like eh, let's put Spangle at nine thirty. Nice. <laughs> but I, you know, this one's fine. Um, it's nice of him to even let me speak. Yeah. Uh, as he once said, I'll let the whore come to church, but I won't let them preach. Well, you just supply donuts to your speech. Well, I'm. Uh, he says there's always people at this stuff, and I think Bittner will actually be there, so I think Bittner oh, will nice. be on with me. Uh, nice. I probably shouldn't plug that, but... Uh, so, <laughs> so I'll be there on yeah. Friday, just Friday, at Porkfest, and then I will be there Sunday, Monday... Yeah, Sunday, Monday, for the National Convention. I think I, I come in Saturday, I leave Tuesday... So, if you're a We Are Libertarians listener going to the National Convention, then please get in the Facebook group, which you can get access to at wearelibertarians.com, and let us know you're going to be there. Let's set up some sort of meet-and-greet type deal. Um, Maybe uh, our Liberty and Chill coordinator could figure out a good time Sunday or Monday afternoon or evening. Like, what's the most help me kind of figure out when we could have a nice Liberty and Chill New Orleans? Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. When is the next Liberty and Chill? Uh, it will be this uh, Friday at tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow six o'clock yep. at uh, Triton Brewhouse. Nice. So, uh, so please go to that if you're going to the Jordan Peterson in Indianapolis, uh, the Jordan Peterson event. Then afterwards, we're going to the Rathskeller. So, please join us. Feel free to join us. I'll be wearing my Statue of Liberty T-shirt. Um, are you going to do an episode out of the convention too? Uh, yeah. No, I, I plan on doing a, an episode... Out of all three. Out of all... Th- uh, at least out of the two. I don't know about podcast movement. That's actually the one I'll be... The, I'll be there the longest because work is paying for it. Nice. <laughs> I was like, you know, boss, I, I could save us a lot of money if I went and talked to all these vendors, and I think it'd be worth the money if you sent me... He's like, eh, all right, fine, whatever. So I, I get... I, I don't have to pay for that one, so that one's pretty cool. Um yeah, I'm I'm really excited to go to Podcast Movement. It is basically like the it's the the biggest podcast conference, I think. It's like kind of become the new um there's a bunch of podcast conferences, but this is going to be the South by Southwest and it's in Philly this year. So, um Nice. Yeah, ironically, one of our Philly listeners is coming to Indy that week, and oh, then I'm going to Philly. Dang. I have not told Nick this yet, but, um, so we'll have to. He was going to come on the show that Thursday, but I will be in Philly, uh, so so I, I probably shouldn't have told him about that on air. But <clears throat> you better uh, leave some flowers at his door while you're in Philly. That's an apology. Well, um, our good buddy Brian Nichols from the Brian Nichols Show. We Are Libertarians product. Find it in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, he lives in Philly, so we may be able to to get together. Why are you smiling? The shameless self-plugging. <laughs> there's a lot of there's there's not been a lot going on for months because I've been too depressed to do anything. But the the uh, the new medicine is kicking in, and I'm like, let's do all of it. Next two months are going to be busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So if uh, if I miss, I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. For the rest of June and July, if uh, there's not two episodes a week, please forgive me. But uh, between all the stuff going on at work and all the stuff going on with the traveling, and uh, it's just it's something's got to give, and this is the thing that I can kind of give on because you can't, you know, when you're redesigning products at work, like you can't give on that. 
mm-hmm. or else you get fired. Then you think the shameless self-promotion now is bad. Wait until I get fired, because then I'll be like, <laughs> so here on the Patreon, we are Libertarians uh, show. Uh, so <laughs> Sponsored by Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored but- by anyone who wants to give me $5. <laughs> Please subscribe on YouTube and give us $30 a month on Patreon. We are at 699 YouTube subscribers. Who can get us to 700? 700, Woo. please. Get us to 700. Somebody's um, got a friend. That's bored right now. Not in this audience. (laughs) Um, Oh, a friend? (laughs) No, a friend. uh, Yeah, just let's just start with a friend. (laughs) What are we going to talk about tonight? Uh, I don't know friends. um, What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about North Korea. Let's start there. Mm. Because, A, one more piece of, not self-promotion, follow Michael Malice on Twitter. Uh, Michael Malice is heard often on the Tom Woods show. That's kind of where he gained subtraction, and then he got started on uh, Anthony Camilla's network. Now he has a show called You're Welcome, without the E. It's Y-O-U-R, Welcome. And that's now publicly available on Gas Digital. And uh, here's the thing. Malice, uh, Malice strikes me as the type of guy who is a smart guy but probably thinks he's smarter than he is. But I don't know that that's true. I think I was I think I was wrong about that because I follow him on Twitter and he's hysterical and he's so funny and he is a shit poster and I he's my favorite person to follow on Twitter now. Very libertarian. I don't even think he calls himself a libertarian. He's just like I'm just an anarchist. Uh, but he's he's a very funny guy and he wrote a book about North Korea called Dear Reader and he has just been stellar the last few days. Is your picture on the cover? Uh, no. <laughs> yes, but not with my face. Uh, yeah, I changed all my social media. The one that Greg did about the uh, about the uh, uh, where I look like Kim Jong Un. Um, you took it off. So anything? Keep me abreast of the chat. I'm not going to look because it's it gets distracting sometimes. Um, Christie's distracting. Don't you dare talk bad about Christy Avery. One She's of, meowing. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know why. Because there's a cat in There's frame. a cat on the table. The cat didn't meow. I know. I felt bad. You probably didn't hear it in the episode. I think I edited it out, but I had to banish her. I, I sent her to uh, her own little Elba Island. She got locked in the bedroom. Um, but Malice has been so good on, on North Korea, and he and I share a hatred of the mainstream media and of traditional political pundits, because he, uh, so, so let's talk about what happened in North Korea. Donald Trump, you know, in 2017 was fl- threatening to blow up Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Un was calling him a dotard. All right, if you yeah, lo- it was posturing, and we we said that. Yeah, if you go back and listen to the show, mm-hmm. we'll fill you in on all the stuff that happened in all these steps because we've talked a lot about North Korea. I love North Korea. I am uh, Twitter's foremost expert on North Korean documentaries. He has a North Korea flag flying off of his balcony right I now. I <laughs> love North documentaries about North Korea. I'm just fascinated by it. The people seem really nice. I feel really bad that they have this piece of garbage running their country. And uh, so I, I just – this all fascinates me. And Donald Trump really ratcheted it up, so it got very – intense in 2017 and then all of a sudden they started talking about getting together uh it was really kim jong-un who kind of waved the white flag and said we're we're going to denuclearize we are going to 
um, send back your hostages. They sent back all the hostages uh, alive instead of in a vegetative state. Like um, who's the young man from Cincinnati that just the, the, that passed away? Uh, warm beer, Otto Warm beer. Is that it? I think so. And uh, this was the one year anniversary. This was held on the one year anniversary of uh, Warm beer being sent back. Um, it was another one year anniversary. Like. He really set this on a date that had some symbology to it. I wish I had a, I wish I had prepared better. But so the North Koreans uh, initiated this by sending a letter through South Korea to Trump, and Trump said, "If he wants to meet, let's meet." Well, you would have thought that he was having an abortion on live national television, <laughs> not on live television on the Seven Hundred Club. Like it was. It, it, the, I have I have never witnessed anything like the hand wrenching of Democrats, formerly the peaceniks of 2003 when Bush was going to war. The same people just losing their minds over the fact that the president is meeting with Kim Jong Un, and the very media who just like all of the. It's just so amazing. If you have a memory in politics. You remember things from 2000 to 2008, and everything is upside down. The Democrats are anti-free speech. The Democrats are pro-war. The Democrats are anti-diplomacy. It's literally like they all just set their signs down and walked across the other side of the street and picked those signs up and vice versa. They're not really now. They just don't have principles. And the only thing that they really are is anti-Trump. So that makes them whatever. It doesn't matter what the issue is. As long as the result hurts Trump, that's what side they're on. Right. So they would ra- – I mean, Kennedy said last night on Fox Business is it feels like they would rather have nuclear war because that would ensure that Trump lost the election. Yeah. Peace peace makes him look good. He's going to win a Nobel Peace Prize now, and he deserves it. Uh, okay. He deserves it just as much, as, if not more, than Obama did. Here's the thing. Um, I'm not giving him the peace – the the peace prize just yet so when obama got the peace prize yeah and at that where he was at at that point you we're not at the same point with trump and north korea o- obama was about bush like let's be honest i mean how when did you really start paying attention to politics paul about a year yesterday about a year or so before bush left office okay so you remember what it was like during the bush years yeah and you know when you start a war the, if you start an illegal war, as our our commie friends back then used to call it, uh, you you cause a war of unnecessary uh, proportions, and the other guy comes in. It, it was kind of a finger. I mean, the whole vibe back at the end of the Bush presidency. I mean, well, you remember yeah, what it was like. That that was the only thing Obama really campaigned on was right. ending the war, and I'm not McCain. Right. Like no third term for Bush was the only slogan he needed. And that's when you have mm-hmm. him sweeping the country, right. freshman senator, with no resume, given the presidency and the Nobel Peace Prize, just on the promise of more peace. Isn't it, And Reinhold makes a good point, Galt. Isn't giving Trump preemptively the Peace Prize the same? Isn't that validating the thinking of giving Obama the Peace Prize? Yeah. Okay, but he already did. All right. So, I mean, that's where the line is for the Peace Prize. Don't change the line for the other side. Right. If the line's there, the line's been passed. Give him the prize. It's so cute. He earned it. It's so cute when he you thinks know, these like, things. Well, Paul. 
you know, we don't need to erode institutions into the ground just because the other side got it for next to nothing. Doesn't mean we need to give it to somebody else for next to nothing. I don't look at it as sides. I guess that's where I come at it differently. Well, everybody's a different person, so. Well, then at that. There's millions of different sides. Even if they're on the same side, just because it was given to Obama for next to nothing on the promise of him doing better than his predecessor, doesn't mean we have to keep the bar that low. This is the should, I mean this is the biggest thing that's happened in my lifetime when it comes to peace. Um well, there were other accords <clears throat> struck with North Korea. Bill Clinton did sign 94. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's the I was 3 so maybe. It's the biggest symbolic <laughs> in in regards to the North Korean situation, it's big and it's not. Okay, so right. So they end up having the summit, and they meet the, earlier this week in Singapore. Uh, Donald Trump goes to the G7 and just flips the bird at every single one of mm-hmm. our allies, which the the establishment media and the foreign policy establishment just lost their mind. How could you treat our allies like this? Like, <laughs> like we all realize we all don't realize who Donald Trump is. Like, I, I, I don't know. Part of what I have loved about Donald Trump this week, and this is going to help him. And this is why his approval ratings amongst Republicans are now second all-time in Republican presidents after George Bush after 9-11. Like, that's an asterisk. Like, there's, you know, no nobody's going to probably ever top that. But um, it would require, like, hive mind levels. Right, yeah. I mean, it's if you weren't alive the day after 9-11, like, you don't know what it was like. I mean, it was just, it's nothing, it's like... When old timers tell us Everything about changed. it's like when old timers tell us about Pearl Harbor, you you <clears throat> just unless yeah. you experienced it, it's hard to put into words that experience. Um, the the thing about Donald Trump is that Donald Trump doesn't give like he just doesn't recognize the social norms. Like he's our first autistic president. Like he <laughs> when he came in, he just kind of said meh. I understand that you little people do your thing at the Council on Foreign Relations. I don't care. You people are what's wrong with everything. Like, Donald Trump doesn't necessarily have any kind of ideology whatsoever, but Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is not doing things for the good of America. Sometimes Donald Trump does good things for America because they're good for Donald Trump. Like, I think he's a very transactional person, which is why I always felt that he was going to be in, in a lot of ways better than Hillary because he's purely transactional. He's not beholden to an ideology. Like, people, oh, Trump is a libertarian. Like, no, he's not. Like, libertarians are so principled and so willing to die on hills that they won't, they'll, they'll completely wash their hands of the electoral process and join a party that gets 1% of the vote mm-hmm. um, because they, val- they have values. Donald Trump is not that person. Donald Trump is transactional. And the guidepost for him is how does this affect Donald Trump? And right. Donald Trump went and did this and met with Kim Jong-un because he felt it would be good for him. And in certain ways it is, because I think in a purely propagandistic way for him, I think we all look at it and we go, from a messaging point, we look at it and we go, it's the greatest moment of peace in our lifetime. During the debates, I never thought this man had, could would ever be able to do this. Right. You know, <laughs> and, and people who are not sophisticated in politics or who don't follow it will look at this and go, this is very impressive. He's mm-hmm. doing this for peace. Now, if 
and so I think in the policy, that's why we look at the media and we look at the, the Council on Foreign Relations people and we go, you people are so out of touch with us because they're just losing their minds. Like you listen to the comment. I listen to the commentary podcast. It's a good podcast, but they're definitely not libertarians. Like one one of the guys, I think it was Noah Rathman Rathman said in this podcast, like he's he took a shot at Rand Paul and libertarians and said, this is why they're all idiots. You know, so these are conservatives. They're <clears throat> neocons. They're people who uh, have a very a traditional view conservatively of how foreign policy should work. And they're just beside themselves, you know. And then you go and listen to the Democrats like Nancy Pelosi. She's beside herself. And it's because all of these people live and breathe how Washington and foreign policy and how these systems are all set up. And Donald Trump doesn't care. <laughs> and I think Kim Jong-un is brilliant because he recognized that Donald Trump doesn't care. He's purely transactional. And so when people say Donald Trump got played, I agree because I think Kim Jong-un set this all up and is setting it up to his benefit. And I think the whole motivation for Kim Jong-un was to maintain his position. Kim Jong-un re- realizes – he realizes – that if he – I'm sorry, that was racist. I didn't mean to channel Team America. Um, <laughs> he realizes that if he says nice things about Donald Trump mm-hmm. and they have this moment and they shake hands and he, wears a hat. And he says, <laughs> I promise you I will, I will denuclearize. I will release all these people. Like to him, giving up three American hostages, no big deal. Um, maybe opening up a little bit. And there have been people like his mm-hmm. former chef who have – escaped North Korea, the chef spent a tremendous – they were best friends. And he did say to the chef, I want to be the great liberalizer of North Korea. I want to open it up like like uh, they did in China. And so I do think in some respects he does have that and he is more willing to – like if he does certain things and it accidentally opens up North Korea, he's okay with it. But ultimately this is about keeping his political power in North Korea – He's eliminated any threats, and he knows that things are getting too tense with the Americans. So he comes in. He makes a bunch of promises to Donald Trump. He says he's not advancing his nuclear program. He just kind of doesn't. Like, he could he could continue to do research, but let's say for the next three years or the next uh, six years, if Donald Trump were reelected— he just doesn't do any ballistic missile testing. He doesn't do any nuclear testing. Well, the hostility's gone for him. The pressure is off. The greatest catastrophe for Kim Jong Un is to get into war with the United States. So he has to do everything he can to prevent a war from happening because he's he's opened up enough economy to kind of satisfy. There's not as many starving people in North Korea as there were in the 90s. It's not like the 90s where it was a great famine. The uh, the economy has opened up with a lot of black markets, and he kind of looks the other way, and there's there's a growing middle class. So he has a period of years where that middle class is still growing, and then he knows he's got trouble with the middle class opening up in that in maybe a decade, right? So he needs some time to figure out some stuff, and what he can't have is the United States – launching a war against him or <clears throat> introducing sanctions. So this is a great way for him to kind of get the United States off his back. <clears throat> he may – when the North Koreans talk about denuclearization, they're using an old term. They're talking about the entire peninsula 
being denuclearized. That means the United States leaving the peninsula and taking their nuclear weapons with them. Good. I'm all for it. He and I share that view. But the foreign policy establishment and the two parties and the Republicans and Democrats, no matter who is president, will never let that happen. Not even Donald Trump is putting that on the table. And so when Kim Jong-un says, yes, we've made an agreement towards denuclearization, he's he's saying, I will denuclearize and you too. So – if if he's not thinking in the way that I th- am saying he's thinking, and he thinks that the United States is going to remove its nukes, then you know six months down the road he gets pissed and he's like, fire off a ballistic missile, then we're all in trouble. Okay, but what I think is happening is I think he's getting America off his back. He's easing, he's backing that down, because what happened in other agreements like that ninety four agreement was a tremendous amount of cash was given to the North Koreans. Mm. And we gave them a ton of money and relief and aid and built palaces, <laughs> essentially. Um, and so what Un's grandfather and father did was settle for a ton of cash and then keep building the nukes anyways. Well, he's got nukes. Kim Jong-un has 10 to 12 nuclear weapons, and they can hit the United States. Okay, so it's a different ball game. Dang, I should and, have had one. Yeah, <laughs> and so I think for him, he knows that that he has the technology, and he knows that we know he has the technology. The game's kind of over because mm-hmm. that seed has been planted that if you attack us, we can fire this right back up. So, I I think it, it, this deal that was struck is far less substantial than any other deal struck. The deal that was struck was. Paper thin. <laughs> you know, the 94 agreement was a booklet. I mean, and there is no real guarantees. There was a lot of – Donald Trump kept saying, you know, we, we not a lot in the paper, but we've had a lot of uh, verbal agreements. Well, when you have a regime that has repeatedly lied to the world and to the Americans and uh, like their word doesn't really mean much – because there's genocidal maniacs, <laughs> so yeah. so I I think that in in a lot of ways Donald Trump walked away looking kind of foolish because he he gave the ultimate coup to Kim Jong Un. And why do I say that? He did something that his father and grandfather could not do, and that was get a photo with the United States president. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like. You have to understand the mindset of the North Koreans. The way that the propaganda is used to manipulate the population there, it is that the Un family is – the Song family – is the ultimate power in the world. And everyone in the world respects them above everyone else. When Bill Clinton sent a letter in 94 to the United States, he didn't sign it United States president. He just signed it Bill Clinton. They still printed it in in the front page of every newspaper. Because look, we we are communicating with the president. Um, the the North Koreans all believe that the Song family is the ultimate authority on the planet. That they are like, you know how Americans view America, mm-hmm. but it's legitimate because we're the world's largest economy and largest military. That's how they view their government. It's just a false view, and holes aren't poked through it because <laughs> it's a very closed off society. And so to give Kim Jong-un the photo opportunity that he gave him 
really solidifies that Kim Jong-un is more powerful than either his father, his grandfather, or any other leader in the world. But, so when you hear people fretting about that, here's the thing. Kim Jong-un has is the beneficiary of 60 years of indoctrination. The North Korean people, in the, in the, in the depths of their soul, realize the truth about Kim Jong-un. And they realize that they're starving. And they realize that maybe things aren't all hunky-dory. There's a healthy part of the population that just buys it all hook, line, and sinker. Like, look at our population, okay? We're a free and open society with more information than we've ever had in our lives. And look at how many people just love the government. Look how many people voted <laughs> for Hillary Clinton. Right. Like, <laughs> so, you know, so when, when we're talking about all oh, those people just really must know the truth and they're living in a prison, it's like, no, they're pretty well snowed, just like we are. Um, so, oops, I got a FaceTime. Um Again? No, it's it's uh, actually a Patreon subscriber, and she should know better. So, um, <laughs> so anyways, the 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 PR coup that is the image of Kim Jong Un next to the President of the United States, it's kind of a who gives a shit moment for me. Sure, okay, because oh. We've just helped secure his position as dictator. Well, he he he's done that. Okay, he's he's channeled his grandfather, who was beloved. Everybody hated his weirdo dad, who starved them all to death. And he's come in. And he's purposely tried to make himself the reincarnation of his grandfather, who was literally a god figure in their religion. And he has solidified his power. He is, by all accounts, popular in North Korea. Uh, he is doing good things for the North Korean people in their mind. Uh, you know, we on the outside look at it and we go, yeah, but he's still a guy who is the head of a barbarous regime who kills his family members because only an Un, uh, only a song member of the Song family can be head of the government. So it's literally him and his sister, the last ones alive. So she's like, oh, you did great. <laughs> what, what you did with the, the, you, you, the great meaning, sir. I agree uh, with everything 100%. <laughs> right, because he's killed his uncle. He's killed his brother. She's like, oh, those shoes are so nice. Maybe those, we should get married. Are those Toms? <laughs> yeah. I know it's wrong, but would you look a handy today? Um, so, oh, wow. <laughs> listen, I'm just, I don't know what the North Koreans are doing. They're, you know, <laughs> they starve their people to death. Uh, so... Kim Jong-un is, uh, in my mind, hedging his bets and playing Donald Trump because he's he's smarter than every one of these other G7 people who are like, I'm going to stand up against Trump and denounce him for the savage that he is. And Kim Jong-un's like, my brother. <laughs> you, know, like, and, you see Dennis Rodman on TV today with yes. the Make America Great Again hat? Yeah. Rodman, isn't it funny that Rodman is the only person who has intimate knowledge of both yeah. Trump and Kim Jong Un? He's the greatest foreign policy expert of our time. He deserves the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> I think there's a case to be made for that. Yeah, because if Dennis Rodman, if you go watch uh, Dennis Rodman's uh, Big Bang and Pyongyang on Netflix, great documentary. You watch it and you go, okay, these people have been propagandized against Americans, like. You always in history class learn about you know the Hun posters of World War One where it's monkeys throwing white women off of towers, like that's how they propagandized Americans. Like Americans will come here, they will rape your sister and your mother, and they will kill you, and they will take over this country. Like Dennis Rodman took a bunch of Americans over to North Korea multiple times, 
met with the highest levels of the North Korean government, including Kim Jong-un, and they walked away going, eh, maybe they're not so bad, you know, allowed in the North Korean press. Like, so I think if you watch it, there's a case to be made that Dennis Rodman should be at least nominated for a Peace Prize, because I don't think you would have gotten to this point had it not been for Dennis Rodman. Oh, and Donald sure. Trump. Yeah. Dennis Rodman thinks just like Un and just like Trump. Yeah. They are purely transactional. They're mm-hmm. mentally ill. They <laughs> they are... Dennis Rodman goes, why wouldn't I go to North Korea? Like, everybody else is like, well, he does uh, kill a lot of his own people. He is a dictator. It's probably the one part of the world you don't want to go. He's like, yeah, but why wouldn't I? Like, yeah, he's yeah. a fan. He asked me nicely to go. Yeah, he says nice things about me. So, so I think Un is hedging his bets, playing the long game here, put the missile tests on hold. I can... He has gotten the war games off his back. You know, the... This is another thing. So we, every April, have these military exercises, which are called war games in the North Korean press. Mm -hmm. And it is South Korea and North Korea preparing to invade North Korea off of their shore. And then we have these bombing runs where we are basically showing them, here's the routes we will take to drop nuclear bombs on you. And Donald Trump rightly said in his press conference that this is provocative and we shouldn't do it anymore. And, like, frankly, if you haven't figured out how in 67 years to bomb the North Korean peninsula, you're never going to get it now, buddy. (laughs) And so it is. It is clearly – it is just a provocation to Mm -hmm. show them that we have the ability to do it. It agitates them to no end. They go to the South Korean Olympics. We have this great moment of unity, and then we do the the war games right afterwards, and then they light off a ballistic missile. If anything, missile. it solidifies their propaganda, it, showing our planes flying over. 100%. Thank you, Chris mm-hmm. Gold. That is a good point. So <laughs> it, it is – when you look at what Donald Trump has done, he has said, I'm not going to play by your rules. Your rules haven't worked. All your rules have done is given North Korea a tremendous amount of our money – and then you spent a bunch of our money on war games, and you made the situation worse. What's it going to hurt if I go and shake the dude's hand and say hello? And then size up the guy and have a conversation with him and actually start talking to him? Well, you'll give him a propaganda coup. Okay. Well, they're going to have a propaganda coup no matter what. <laughs> like, the, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's the point of propaganda is you get to control the message right. no matter what. Yeah. There's no way that they can't spin a narrative. And they've had 60-plus years of spinning narratives to build that on. Exactly. Yep. The only people probably better than them at propaganda is us. Yeah. <laughs> and we're a free and open society. Yep. So That's why we're a little better. <laughs> there, there, There is something to be said for Donald Trump meeting with a dictator and making him a moral equivalent. Donald Trump, no matter how much you fools want to say Donald Trump is the most evil man alive and talk about him like he's Kim Jong-un, the two men are not morally equal. Okay, Donald Trump doesn't kill political dissidents. He just says mean things about them on Twitter. Kim Jong-un puts uh, rocket grenade launchers to his brother. <laughs> like he, he didn't feed the uncle to the dogs. I mean, I want my brother to give me those too. Right. Well, no, and he didn't give him a rocket launcher. He killed him with a rocket launcher. Oh, That's yeah, the difference. yeah. I don't yeah. want my brother to kill me. With right. That. So Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un are not the moral equivalent. 
and the United States and North Korea are not equal. And so for all of the talk of the United States of America, how we describe our military and our militarism, like there is a difference between the United States of America and North Korea. All right. Um, they are less interventionist. <laughs> um, but they they are, are, are still uh, – Kim Jong-un, in many ways, he, I think he's less evil than Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, but he's still an evil dude. He's still running a prison camp of 20 million people. So I I do give the critics the point when it's like, why would you want to stand on the equivalency of Kim Jong-un? Why would you want to put the American flag next to the North Korean flag? I get that. I I don't give them that. And the reason is because there's only two ways to peace, and that's either boots of American soldiers in the, on the ground in Pyongyang, or we have to give them the moral equivalency and rise, raise them up to our level, and then open them up, and then get them to be a member of the world society. Right. So there is no path that I see. We can continue with what we've done for 60 years of... Having them isolate themselves. (laughs) Containment, yeah. Yeah, containment. But, you know, that's just going to lead to more generations of suffering. Right. So, you know, unless you're going to commit to an invasion, which at this point, kind of impractical. The time to do that was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's time to kill them with kindness. Right. Fair enough. I agree. And I think that's... Uh, kudos to Trump because Trump came in and said this is like one of my top five priorities, and Trump has stayed on it and has not let it go. Everything he said he was going to do, he's been doing. In this, in regards to this, yes. Have you ever seen a presidential candidate hold their campaign promises yes. as well? Yes, I have. Still Which waiting was... on that check from Mexico. <laughs> right. Still waiting for that border wall to get built by <laughs> with Mexican money. Called... Hey, he hasn't built it yet because they haven't uh, right. sent him the check. <laughs> no, he hasn't built it yet because Congress didn't fund it. That's why. <clears throat> um, waiting on that Mexican check. <laughs> right. <laughs> Vince... <laughs> Vincente Fox is the former president of Mexico. He's the most based anti-Trump person on the planet. He's such a troll, and he's hilarious on Twitter, too, because he's like, fuck Trump, you know, get our money. <laughs> like, he's like he's like Borat, uh, or not Borat, what was the one that Borat p- played, the uh, Saddam Hussein type, Sasha Baron Cohen movie, The Dictator. Um, I never saw it. So anyways... Uh, Trump has stayed on this. Uh, Trump walked away with far less concessions. And so you have all these foreign policy establishments. Um, you know, and I want to go to something. Uh, Thomas Knapp is a really good writer. Uh, the Garrison Center, the William Lloyd Garrison Center for Libertarian Advocacy Journalism. Uh, and he wrote an article called North Korea Pelosi versus Peace. And Thomas runs something called the Rational uh, Rational Review News Digest, and it's an email that you get every day, and it's like forty stories and news opinion pieces. It's really great, great. Like it's pretty much all you need to read in the morning. Um, although for whatever reason, Thomas keeps forgetting to put "We Are Libertarians" in the podcast section. Uh, I'm sure it's just an oversight. Uh, it's, it's I'm sure it's innocent, and not because we're not pure enough, uh, but. But I love Rational Review. I've, I've read it for about a decade now. Um, <clears throat> so Nancy Pelosi puts out this statement and uh, about 
and and he writes he writes this. Which is worse, the specter of nuclear war giving the U.S. president, Donald Trump, credit for significant diplomatic accomplishment? In her statement, Nancy Pelosi's statement, on Trump's Singapore summit with Kim Jong-un, Nancy Pelosi makes it clear that a few million incinerated human beings are a small price to pay to keep the 68-year-old Korean War going. Maybe not forever, but just in, at least until there's a Democrat in the White House. The president uh, – have you heard Nancy Pelosi talk? It's worse than, than – uh, uh, Bill Clinton at this point. The dentures are just <laughs> awful. <laughs> Donald uh, Trump in seven years. Oh my God. His last year in yeah. office. The president, How old's he gonna look? <laughs> the president handed Kim Jong-un concessions in exchange for vague promises do, that do not approach a clear and comprehensive pathway to denuclearization and non-proliferation. What were these dangerous concessions, Nancy? First, the U.S. Armed Forces will can will conditional upon progress towards North Korean denuclearization, stop conducting threatening military exercises that we've uh, conducted since 53. If U.S. and South Korean forces aren't prepared for a new outbreak of hostilities after 65 years of training, they never will be. Secondly, again, conditional upon North Korea holding up its end, we will provide security guarantees, which means the U.S. and South Korea won't invade North Korea, just like they haven't invaded North Korea since 53. Again, some concession. Would a Democratic president at the kind of summit with the North Korea's ruler that Trump managed to swing, unlikely any past president, Democrat or Republican, have refused those two first obvious steps? No, not a chance. They were the bare minimum, and if a Democrat had offered them, Pelosi would have publicly celebrated them as if it was the second coming. President Trump elevated North Korea to the level of the United States, Nancy Pelosi writes, while preserving the regime's status quo. Um, ignoring the fact that every president since Eisenhower has preserved the regime status quo until Trump, who recognized, diplomatically speaking and in relation to the issue at hand, that North Korea is already at the level of the United States. If the Korean War is going to be sorted out, it will be the belligerents, North Korea, South Korea, China, and the United States, likely with significant input from Russia doing the sorting. But but Pelosi, the Democratic Party, and the party's allies in the media would rather it not get sorted out. That's disgusting. Posturing America as the exceptional nation, Kim as the supplicant in rags, and those other governments as mere hangers-on could have only had two possible outcomes. One, the status quo ante. The other, a danger faced by then-President Barack Obama in negotiating the nuclear Iran deal, was the other parties negotiating their own deal, leaving a petulant, marginalized America to watch their parade from the sidelines. A genuine and durable peace on the Korean Peninsula may or may not be achievable. But Trump seems to be giving it the old college try. Pelosi and her party, having proven unable to lead and unwilling to follow on the matter, should at least have the decency to get the hell out of the way. And uh, to that, I will also add that uh, um, Jacob Hornberger wrote a piece about this, and he's exactly right. The United States is the cause of the Korean War. You know, many people are like, why isn't South Korea and North Korea uh, dealing with this? Well, why is the United States involved? It's our problem from the beginning. I think he was basically saying, like, why is Trump even meeting with Kim Jong-un? Why Why should we get involved at all? It's because it's we broke it. We should fix it. <laughs> it's our army it's sitting our, on the board. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so we're kind of a big deal over there. Yeah. Uh, Dean Rusk, the future Secretary of State, as he left, uh, I think it was f- in, in the early 50s, he drew the 38th parallel. It was a United States Army sa- staff sergeant who drew the line where the parallel would be. We drew it so we would get... All the best parts of South Korea, and they would get all the shitty parts of Korea up north. 
So, like, we basically created this problem. So we should be the ones to fix it. And I applaud Donald Trump for trying to fix it. Yeah. Me too. That's what I've been saying. You, It sounded like you felt the opposite way. No, I, I think uh, he's incompetent. <laughs> like, but clearly he's not. He's getting results. Mm. But you're saying this isn't really that big of a deal. It's it's a big deal in that um, he did something that no other president would do because he's not beholden to the establishment and the conventional thinking, right? So you have people operate within the bounds of the words that are said. Like, so everything is words, okay? Everything in Washington is words, right? It's words on a paper on the Constitution or words that were written and spoken into law or mm-hmm. words and consensus at, at these Council on Foreign Relations meetings. It's all words, right? And you can choose to participate in that conventional thinking or not. And there are times where Donald Trump doesn't, and it gets him in trouble, like tariffs, for instance. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. And he's like, well, the experts are wrong. I'm right. Let's impose tariffs. No, you're an idiot. You don't know how the laws of economics work. Mm-hmm. Okay? But w- most presidents don't. Right. <laughs> right. Where there are... <laughs> words are really meaningless because there are certain um, forces in the world, like gravity, like economics... That just exist, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can – just because you speak certain Keynesian policies into existence on the congressional floor, it doesn't mean that you're going to change the the natural forces of economics. Right. You're not stronger than the forces of economics. It's like I'm going to talk gravity out of existence. It doesn't work, right? The force of nature is too strong. Right. The rules of foreign policy are not as – there are certain patterns, but it's not as uh, definite as economics, for instance, right? So when Donald Trump says he already is the president of North Korea, that's not going to change. The idea that I'm solidifying his position is dumb. The idea that we think we're achieving peace by having war games off their coast, th- that's dumb. I'm going to meet with the guy and talk to him. Because we have two alternatives. This is the one time where I really go, okay, there are two, there's a binary choice here. You can do the status quo, mm-hmm. which isn't working, mm-hmm. or you can go to war. Um, n- 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 I'm wrong. Donald Trump forced the binary, war or peace, but we're not doing the status quo anymore. Like, this isn't working. Right. I'm going to be the guy to fix it. Just like the, the Jer- Jerusalem move. He says, it's the, what's the reality? Okay, let's do the reality. Let's move the embassy to Jerusalem, right? Regardless of what you think of, of Israel, the capital of Israel is Jerusalem. We just, we just don't move it there because we don't want to piss off people who are going to be pissed off anyways. You know, like he's like, the, the Palestinians are going to be pissed off no matter what anybody does. Like, just move the, move the damn thing, you know? And, like, what has happened? Nothing. Like, there was the... the protests that the uh, Palestinians organized and tried to invade the Israeli border and the Israelis opened fire and killed 50 people, you know? So, but that's like another day in Israel. Like, and I'm not demeaning the the fact that that happened and that those lives were lost, but that's just the reality of the ground of the situation there. 
So Donald Trump is really being a realist here and saying, what's the reality of North Korea? Okay, what we're doing isn't working. Your ideas are dumb. I'm going to try something different. And they hate it. And it and it could work or it couldn't. Like, I think it's a failure in terms of getting on any kind of actual written, hard, like, there were a lot of words said here, but he didn't get a lot of actual, like, definable goals. Okay, there's nothing here that says... We're gonna allow you inspect. In, we're gonna allow the uh, IAEA to come in and inspect your nuclear sites, and you're gonna do these 15 <clears throat> things. Like with the nuclear deal with Iran, there's specific inspections written into the agreement that they have to follow. That's not mm-hmm. the case here, and that's part of the problem of the Donald Trump presidency. Is yes, it's good that he doesn't agree with those norms, but it's also bad because he doesn't have people on his team who can say, hey, by the way, maybe we should get like 15 points of verification that they are doing what they say they're doing. You know, and so, and maybe that comes down the pike. You know, maybe we're all looking at this because right. when when Reagan went to Reykjavik and met with the with uh, the USSR, he stormed off and it was like a failure and it was a total bust, but it was the beginning of a dialogue that led to the ending of the USSR, <laughs> you know, because right. Gorbachev was able to actually have a conversation with Reagan. And maybe that's where we're at with this. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, I, I definitely see Trump attempting to be a Reagan-esque leader in that way. Uh, the problem being he is Trump and not at all Reagan. <laughs> and uh, Kim Jong-un is not Gorbachev. Yeah. So... I definitely think that uh, there's a possibility for future dialogue here because, you know, Trump is never going to stop talking about himself, right. about his accomplishments, and he's going to want to push further. Right. <clears throat> uh, he said uh, North Korea is no longer a nuclear threat. So I would say that that sounds pretty final and that sounds complete to him. So I feel like he thinks he's done. You really believe Donald Trump when he opens his mouth, don't you? Um, no, but when he when he says something, he doesn't change his mind. So he thinks that this is done. He said he's still saying he's going to build a wall for three years now. He's been saying the same thing. Even if he can't do it, he's still going to keep saying it. I don't know, man. So even if North Korea doesn't denuclearize, he's going to keep saying that they're no longer a threat because of him. He's going to take that credit, and it doesn't matter. Like this, The status quo can stay the same. Well, he was best bros with Justin Trudeau, and now he's not. So he's best bros with uh, Kim Jong-un until Kim Jong-un says something mean and calls him a dotard or launches a rocket. just invade him. Well, all right. Uh, idiot. <laughs> I'm just thinking like Trump. Um, <laughs> Donald Trump in that press conference said one of the most honest things Donald Trump has ever said I may be wrong I may stand before you in six months and say hey I was wrong I don't know I don't know that I'll ever admit that but hmm. I'll find some kind of an excuse <laughs> I was like wow he said that he said that those words you want me to read that again <laughs> no I got it I man. may be wrong I may stand before you in six months and say, hey, I was wrong. I don't know that I'll ever admit that, but I'll find some kind of an excuse. <laughs> that is that is brutally Who honest. Who would have thought that America's <laughs> first honest politician in 100 years would be the Cheeto Man? 
but he's not. He's he's probably the most dishonest, but <laughs> honest at the same time. Very odd. Very odd guy. Um, gosh, I'm trying to find this. Uh, oh, here it is. Okay, good. Um, let's move on to the FBI. Uh, the uh, not a ton here. So this AG's report. Or IG. Uh, so th- here's what an inspector general is. It is the independent arm of any federal agency. Independent. Independent. Yeah, but that they are more independent than <sighs> they're not a political appointees. They're basically there to investigate uh, any issues that may arise. And so the inspector general of the Justice Department, uh, or basically investigated the Hillary Clinton affair and the Comey affair. And what they basically found was that Jim Comey was insubordinate. And so what he did wrong... So when Comey came out and made his statement in uh, that Hillary Clinton didn't do anything, uh, there were going to be no criminal charges filed. There was going to be... Uh, it was... It, she had problems in what she did, but she wasn't... It didn't rise to the level of intent of criminality. And then he later sent a letter saying that they were reopening the investigation right before the the uh, the election. And really what those... Those were supposed to be done by Attorney General Loretta Lynch. And Loretta Lynch was compromised because Bill Clinton uh, found out that she was on the same in the same airport, and so he went on the plane and actually had a conversation with her. Now, Bill Clinton's one of the most brilliant lawyers of his generation. There's no doubt in my mind that this man who understood uh, special prosecutors better than any other uh, president in our time, uh, and he knew that by meeting with her, he was going to he was going to taint an investigation and make Loretta Lynch look a certain way. And that's exactly what happened. Everybody cried, like, how can she be objective in investigating Hillary Clinton? You know, he went on and had a conversation with her about the grandkids, but he knows he doesn't need to actually say anything to her because it's the appearances. He knows how the press works. It was a very brilliant move on his part to try and get um, some reasonable doubt into the mix. And... uh there's no doubt it was intentional. Like Bill, right. Bill Clinton's too fucking smart. Like, um, so Attorney General Loretta Lynch was leading the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails, and so after that, she had to rec- recuse herself, and she said, "I'll leave it up to the judgment of Jim Comey on as to what they find." And so, what Comey was supposed to have done was to go back to Loretta, Loretta Lynch, say, "Here's what I found," and then release. The documents, because the attorney general's Jim Comey's boss, mm-hmm. his direct supervisor. And what Comey did instead was hold a press conference and never looped Loretta Lynch. Imagine, like, you work for a company and you're announcing a new product and you never, like, run your presentation by your boss. And then you just put out the press release. Wow. That's kind of what he did. You fired yeah, and so Comey says he did it because Loretta Lynch was compromised and he didn't want to involve her in the process, in, in anything because he didn't want it to look compromised because he wanted to maintain the integrity of the FBI. And he did it again when he went sent the letter to Congress. And so what it found was that Jim Comey was insubordinate, but that the investigation to the uh, the Clintons, it was unlikely... Uh, or that it didn't quite appear like there was some lawyerly language in there that basically said like 
we don't believe that political bias was involved in any of the decision making on the Clinton stuff. But there was like a word that they used that was like, I, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but a it weasel was word. a weasel word. It was a lawyer weasel word, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then it, it, he basically came out and said, like, and that applies to the Trump investigation, too. But you remember when we had the Peter Strzok text and they sounded really fishy? Mm-hmm. So my going back to 2016, my analysis of the FBI probe and the Russia investigation has been this. Everybody knows that works in Washington, like they're using Trump's naivete to hit, to their advantage, right? Everybody knows that foreign agents try to get involved in foreign camp, like foreign agents are constantly hitting up campaigns. So they know that that has happened here. They get information that is suspicious at best, but it's enough to raise some suspicion amongst dumb people. And you, you've basically taken uh, what could be the truth and have turned it into the truth. And so agent, agent provocateurs, I won't say the deep state because it's, it's far less organized than that. People inside of the media, the government, the uh, Washington establishment essentially set Donald Trump and his team up for a dragnet. They appointed a special prosecutor solely for the purpose, knowing they wouldn't find anything, but solely for the purpose of bringing people down for obstruction and perjury charges, and hopefully the man himself. It was always a false, it was always a narrative that was made up in Washington, D.C. and not in Moscow. It was something that was completely concocted by people in Washington, D.C., starting with the McCain team. And if you follow any of McCain's team on social media, like Steve Smith or any of the guys that worked on his campaign, they're all they're insane about Donald Trump. Like he makes them crazy. It was started with McCain and his team. And then it moved over to Hillary Clinton and her team and people at the FBI, like Andrew McCabe, who was given a large sum of money. No, let me say this. His wife was running for state house in Virginia. The governor, Terry Terry McAuliffe, I almost called him McAuliffe, which is what Rush called him in the 90s. (laughs) Terry McAuliffe was the chief fundraiser for the Clinton presidencies, his campaigns, and as a longtime friend of the Clintons, he was governor, and he gave a boatload of cash to McAuliffe's wife, or uh, to McCabe's wife. Uh, And so... You know, half a million dollar donation to her state house campaign while he's the deputy director of the FBI looking into Hillary Clinton's email scandal at the same time. <clears throat> wink, wink. Right. <laughs> so, so, uh, he's hanging out with Peter Strzok and, and Lisa Page, and they're all exchanging text messages about Donald Trump. And we get those text messages some point earlier in the year. Well, one was redacted. And I don't know why we didn't see it, and the inspector general got it. Um, But here's uh, one that was released. Peter Strzok, Lisa Page texts, Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right? Page texted Strzok. Strzok responded, no. No, he won't. We'll stop it. So... (laughs) the uh, Peter Strzok... uh, Let's see. Um, it basically says Peter, uh, a congressional source said, told Fox News that uh, the text was produced to Congress, but 
Strzok's response, we'll stop it, was not given to Congress. So someone in the investigative chain did not give that to the very, very leaky Congress, the House Republican investigations. So it seems to me... uh, Are you not screaming conspiracy? Does that not scream conspiracy to you? I'm not screaming it. I it, think I it screams out, it at my face. I flat out t- said that, <laughs> and have been since 2016. Oh man, it's so crazy. Here's a person They're just right out front with it. Here's a, anyone that looks can see it. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like that's why I don't believe in conspiracy theories. Like read the fucking news. <laughs> like right, it yeah. eventually all comes out. Yeah, I mean, this is something that it, the grand conspiracy theory thing always just rankles me because. We can't hide a text message, but we're supposed to hide, you know... A thousand people planting thermite in the World Trade Centers in 2000? Yeah. The cameras on top of the centers, building seven. I remember... (laughs) They hid the whole building. I remember... uh, But I remember watching them detonate World World Trade Center Uh 7. Like, I watched it happen. Like, it wasn't a... Nothing happened. No, I watched them bring it no, down. No, you watched nothing. <laughs> I literally remember, I watched wall-to-wall coverage, and I remember them saying, like, we're imploding World Trade 7 because it's going to fall on top of the workers. But it's some grand conspiracy. I, I, whatever. Anyways, it, like, to me, there's a thousand people of security guards and late-night workers and the, the military CIA. Like, how, how strong are the non-disclosure agreements that people signed? Like because we know how stronger it, than the peace agreement with North Korea. That's for sure. <laughs> like Howard Hunt basically said, "Yeah, we killed Kennedy at the CIA, and George H. W. Bush was involved." Like uh, uh, people eventually all talk, and like this was uh, so. Yeah, like conspiracy theories to me in the modern age and false flags. Like we know the sarin gas attack in 2013 in Syria was probably a quote unquote false flag. But we know that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because in the internet age, it's impossible to hide anything. Like, it was different in the 60s when you had the Dulles brothers committing the Gulf of Tonkin and, and, and coups and other nations. Like, you can't get away with that stuff in the internet age. Like, people are too chatty now, and things are too open. And so when you have somebody with investigative authority and the ability to control the fate of two investigations, one against Clinton, one against Trump... And and one is actively pursued and the other one is just kind of lightly put in a drawer. Like, and there's text messages of them saying, we'll stop him. And lo, lo and behold, all of a sudden they're involved in investigating Donald Trump. And you got to really look into this Russia thing. I have two questions. It's not a conspiracy. It, it It's right in front of your face. Like, they did it. This is, like, to me, when Donald Trump said in the debates that he wasn't willing to accept the the election of Hillary Clinton, that he was going to undermine her election as president and question the vote. That to me was a treasonous statement by Donald Trump. It undermined the very underpinnings of our Republic and what these two did, what McCabe did. And when it all is finally put together, this is treason. Yeah. This is trying to take out a duly elected president using the power of force through the government that you've been sworn that you wouldn't use so i i think this is a if if the narrative of the right and my suspicion are true these people should be charged yes and put through the ring where are they right we should have a grand jury right now right today 
Right. <laughs> Why isn't there another investigation? It shouldn't even take any time after what they just said. Right. And, and the, some of the media is implicated, too. Uh, of course. That they were all involved with it to spread that. Exactly. That same narrative. No doubt. So You think Jim Acosta wouldn't jump at the chance to do anything? Like, let's go back to the North Korea thing. Hey, Jim Acosta, you big dum-dum, okay? Jim Acosta is one of the dumbest human beings alive. Jim Acosta is no no different than Donald Trump. He is a raging narcissist. He is the White House reporter for CNN. And he is screaming out things at uh, anti-Trump things, basically, at this summit. In the quiet moments, you can hear Jim Acosta like <laughs> screaming like an animal, and he's uh, uh, constantly, "This is not normal. This is not normal." Donald Trump is breaking all the norms. Like, hey, hey, so are you, dum dum? <laughs> like, you want to talk about norms? Try and be a reporter that actually respects who you're covering. Like, you're. It, there's no doubt that Jim Acosta has no, like, no bone in his body that's neutral towards mm-hmm. Donald Trump. Yeah. How, how can you say that you're upholding the nor- like you're a White House reporter? Okay, you you basically sit in a little room and Sarah Huckabee Sanders lies to you, just as Jim Jay Carney lied to your predecessor, just as you know Helen Thomas got lied to by forty different press secretaries. Like you have a nothing position in the world of journalism. Admit it. Hate that guy. I hate Jim Acosta. Like Jim Acosta is everything that is wrong with modern journalism. And then he wraps himself in this self righteous bullshit about how he's saving the country from Donald Trump. This is not normal. No, you're just a jackass. Oh, I hate that garbage. Hate uh, he's garbage. Yeah. All right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so who investigates the investigators? He <clears throat> said they're independent. You know they're they're supposed to be separate from the government. Who who do you have investigate them that's neutral, completely neutral, and doesn't pick one side or the other going into it? I I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I think there are people who are genuinely – like, to me, Jim Comey strikes me as somebody who is um, a grandstander and kind mm-hmm. of – I don't know what it is about Comey. Comey is like – I, I, I don't. I, he seems like maybe he might be a dumb person or a true believer. I don't know what it is about him, but I genuinely think like Comey has this strong sense of what he thinks is right, and it's not because somebody. It's not partisan. It's like this is the truth, justice in the American way, and it's very hokey. Um, but I do think that he's a fair person. I think Bob Mueller is somebody who is a fair person. Like I think so you can't put. Mueller and Comey on this investigation. No, of course not. But I'm saying that there are people that exist in our government who can be unbiased. I mean, everybody has some bias, but they'll they'll say, okay, what's the law? What's the question in the scope of the investigation? I'll stick to that. I'm not here to get a win for Hillary Clinton and hurt Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Like, But that's what it'll turn into. You do a six-month to a year investigation on something this high profile, you're going to have everyone under the covers trying to buy you out, trying to buy you, trying to influence your decision-making. But see, the way that it works is something like uh, the Hillary Clinton emails, there wasn't enough attention given to it. And so they got away with it. But was a, Everybody was talking about that. It was a pretty they, big deal. But they weren't following it. Like, here's why the Mueller investigation is on the up and up, okay? And how we know that there's no collusion, right? right. It's because every time Bob Mueller farts, 
it's a breaking news Chiron on CNN. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's there's no place to hide because the media is all over it. And so when there's public attention on these investigations, you get the truth. Um, and you you kind of hmm. know what's what's on the up and up. Like if Donald Trump colluded with Russia, we know by we now. We would know. And I'd be all over it. Yeah. I mean, you know how I I have felt about Donald Trump. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I would love it because <laughs> it would give us something great to talk about. Right. <laughs> You know, like, d- like Donald Trump, I think is a garbage person. But I think in a lot of ways, he like the Russia thing is it's it's not fair. It's not what they've done with this. Like, Mm-mm. it's I'd love to tell you, and so I think people just don't use their brains on the left. They go, ah, bah, 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 bah. which <laughs> I don't. I, any other thoughts on all this FBI stuff? No, I I agree with your assessment that. You know, the we'll bring him down, we'll stop him from being president. That's tre- that's treasonous. Yeah, you know, you're interfering with a election. Our election. vote. Yeah, we're the ones who make the choice, not Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. You know, and just you have the power to cor- it's it's corruption. It's it's all there is to it. I don't know how they're saying there's no political bias. <laughs> you can clearly read what they're saying, and I just I hate. <laughs> Yeah, and I anyone hate, can read those text messages and see political bias. So what, I don't get it. What I hate, <laughs> Trump does this, and what I hate it, when he does it because it's dishonest is when he says all of the FBI is this way. Yeah, you know, and I think libertarians love to do this too because we have that anti-government. Whole bias. government sucks. The, all of the government. <laughs> it's like, well, if you if government's going to exist in our lifetime, all right, mm-hmm. let's just be realistic here. We're probably not going to have an and if we have an anarchist utopia in our lifetime, it's because things went really <laughs> yeah, wrong. Nuclear weapons everywhere, right? <laughs> and so all out over again, right? And so we don't. We're not rooting for that. So since we have government and we need to investigate government and corruption, we have to pick people like Bob Mueller. And you can't be an honest broker when you say everybody in government is corrupt. Like you gotta, you gotta kind of loosen it up a little bit and and walk away from just that knee jerk, reactionary. Everybody sucks. You know, like you're, you're giving me a look. Either you have indigestion or <laughs> oh, you're yawning. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> he had like he he was trying to hold his yawn. Because he was on camera, Paul Paul was trying to hold his yawn, and then I look over and he's just making this face at me like, oh no, I gave a libertarian a stroke because I said not all of the government was corrupted. <laughs> You're giving me the look half of the audience is right now. But yeah. there is, you know, the, you it's like you can't just be all against Trump and all for Trump. Like Trump does good things and bad things. It's... It's how everybody is. It's like you're otherwise you're just being tribalistic and you're not mm-hmm. not being intellectually honest. Yeah, I certainly feel he stumbles into more good things than he <laughs> does on purpose. But. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've got two articles that that kind of dovetail on on what we've been talking about. The first is from the New York Times. You're not going to believe this. The New York Times. The New York Times. Frank Bruni. Or Brunei, I don't know, uh, is is one of their opinion writers, and he wrote this article: "How to Lose the Midterms and Reelect Trump." <laughs> so over the weekend, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Robert De Niro went on the Tonys and did something very brave. You know, it took a lot of courage for Donald Trump, or, or for uh, De Niro, for Robert De Niro 
to stand up in front of a group of Broadway actors and say fuck Trump. So much courage. The the bravery. <laughs> I wow, I haven't seen that much courage. <laughs> the nation should stand with him in a hashtag. Right. Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> De Niro um, too. <laughs> I mean I think there's a picture of that happening in the dictionary right next to preaching to the choir. Right. It's uh, yeah. So Frank writes this article. Dear Robert De Niro, Samantha B, and other Trump haters, I get that you're angry, and I am angry too, but anger isn't a strategy. Sometimes it's a trap. When you find yourself spewing four-letter words, you've fallen into it. You've chosen cheap the- theatrics over the long game, catharsis over cunning. You think you're raising your fist when you're really raising a white flag. You're right that Donald Trump is a dangerous and deeply offensive man, and the restraining and containing him are urgent business. You're wrong about how to go about doing that, or at least you're letting your emotions get the better of you. When you answer name-calling with name-calling and tantrums with tantrums, you're not resisting him. You're mirroring him. You're not diminishing him. You're demeaning yourselves. Many voters don't hear your arguments or the facts which are on your side. They just wince at the din. You permit them to see see you as you see Trump, deranged. Why would they choose a different path if it goes another ugly destination? Of course, this is broader than De Niro, bigger than B, and more about about more than profanity. It's about maturity, pragmatism, and plain old smarts, and the necessity of all three when the stakes are this high. Many Democrats get that. Maybe even most do. In the primaries last week and on Tuesday, Democratic voters, by and large, chose House candidates whose appeals were... Uh, tempered and whose profiles make them formidable general election contenders. They're the best bets for wooing less fearlessly partisan voters and snatching seats currently in Republican hands. The results, uh, let's go on to the next one. Um, These candidates are not getting bogged down by impeachment talk, which which can sound to many voters like a promise of ceaseless partisan rancor and never-ending Washington paralysis. They're not that frothing at the mouth about Trump. They understand that they don't need to. He's mostly exhaustively, chronically, and psychologically transparent president in the lifetimes of most American voters who already know how they feel about him. What they're less certain about is are are there alternatives. If you want to make sure that at least one chamber of Congress is a check on Trump, then talk to them about that. And And do so in a vocabulary that's measured, not hysterical. Enough with idiot and moron, unless you're directly quoting an administration official. They're schoolyard and splenetic. Enough with Hitler, too. Has Trump shown fascistic... Fuck. Is Trump a fascist? Has he shown some tendencies? Yes. Is he the second coming of Third Reich? No. Nor the spineless Republicans who enabled him Nazi collaborators... Not on the evidence of what has and happened so far. Just deplorable. Right. So, I just... When they go low, we go high, said another First Lady, Michelle Obama, at the Democratic National Convention in 2016. It's a fine set of marching orders disobeyed ever since. It was definitely ignored by those of you in the Manhattan Theater where the Tony Awards were held on Sunday. You answered De Niro's expletives with standing ovation. Um... 
he basically uh, never mind that he wrested the spotlight from the Parkland, Florida teenagers, so this so that his negative message, not their positive one, was the big story. Uh, which I didn't even know they were there. Honestly, I missed the Tonys. I know. Oh, no. I know. Can you believe I missed the Tonys? Um, so <laughs> he made the blue wave look iffier and Trump 2020 stronger. Did you mean to be clapping for that? Could not agree more. <laughs> so. I will say, if you are a Democrat, ignore this article. <laughs> uh so this is uh, this next article is from Forward.com. I know nothing about Forward.com. It says it's Jewish fearless since 1897. Uh, well, <laughs> you two are making that face again. I love the Jews. <laughs> I have no problem with them, but you know that seems like a very odd way to. You love sell. the Jews? I do. I'm a big fan. Hmm. What about a Canadian Jew? No, no Canadians. <laughs> Why? So that's where the line is. It's a Canadian, yeah. <laughs> you're goddamn right. I'm conflicted about seeing Peterson. What about a Canadian it. libertarian? <laughs> Not quite sure that those really exist. Yeah. It might be an urban legend. 97% of Canada lives on the American border. <laughs> they send our little their little spies like Alan Thicke and what's uh, the, the Back to the Future kid. Uh, Marty McFly. And their geese. And their geese, <laughs> their little Canadian drones, those... Little assholes. Damn c- <laughs> cobra chickens. <They're laughs> the, the Canadians have long been planning an invasion of the United States. With the, their bacon. The great white menace of the North must be stopped. Because ham is not bacon. Ham isn't bacon. <laughs> South Park, Canadian bacon, all prophetic movies. Oh. You've never seen Canadian bacon. You must... One of my favorite movies, one of John Candy's last. All I'm saying is don't trust trust Justin Trudeau, okay? He's just handsome Bernie Sanders, as Ben Shapiro says. <laughs> well, he's just like his father. Right. You know, he wants to rule his little island nation with an iron fit. Well, you have to acknowledge that Castro is his father first. but <laughs> That meme of Justin Trudeau and, and Castro, dead on. Yeah, no, they, they look so much like. Dead on. I... <laughs> I hate to maybe put my uh, hat in the ring for a single conspiracy theory, but if it would be any of them, it'd be that one. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want I want his uh, ancestry. You need his birth certificate. Twenty three and Me for Trudeau <laughs> prove that you're not Caster's son. So, uh, not knowing anything about this article, I wanted to read it because I have found myself. Uh, my principles have not changed. My values have not changed. Um, you know, free speech is paramount to me, for instance. And if you value free speech, then you have to be against Donald Trump in the way that he he has treated reporters in the 2016 campaign, just in the way that you have to be against uh, Barack Obama locking up reporters. Uh, there, there's. You, you know, if you're a pro-Trumper and you preach free speech because you should be allowed to say whatever you want and Jim Acosta shouldn't do this and blah, 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 uh, like, you you have to you have to recognize that the press serves a purpose and they have the right to free speech. Just as you have the right to free speech, you know, if, if Barack Obama did it, it doesn't make it okay if Trump does it. Trump does it, it doesn't make it, you know, better or worse that Obama did it. Um... 
so if you value free speech, you look at something like I'm against Trump and when he does these things, but I'm also against the left when they do these things. And as the left, for instance, has become more and more anti-free speech over the last five years, I have become more and more anti-left. And I think if you were to observe my Facebook page, for instance, you go, wow, man, he's like a Trump supporter now, which is not the case at all. Doesn't uh, Facebook label you as a conservative? Yeah. Yeah. I erase that. So even their algorithms. So, yeah. But, Uh, you know, that's a... It's faulty a, algorithm based upon a left-right dichotomy. Because I like a ton but of Christian... But that's Christ- what the I world's like a ton based of, off of. I like a ton of Christian <laughs> pages, you know? So, and libertarians get lumped in with conservatives, which were pretty close in a lot of ways. Like, if you listen to Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro is hot garbage on drug war. Like, Shapiro on his show the other day said, you know, I'm mostly libertarians on drugs. Uh, I'm mostly a libertarian on drugs. I, I I think we should... We maybe should decriminalize. Maybe. Not not make it illegal, but not make it totally legal, but decriminalize marijuana. I don't know about the harder drugs. We should probably keep that the way it is. And also, I'm against uh, Donald Trump releasing his grandmother who got put in prison for a, a victimless crime. <laughs> like, okay, bro, you're not you're not libertarian on drugs. Then you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of younger conservatives who are good conservatives and hold libertarian principles towards. Uh, regulation, economics, um, free speech, but they're woefully militaristic when it comes to being anti-war, for instance. Um, you know, and and Ben Shapiro's and I, like you listen to Shapiro talk about foreign policy; he's hot garbage on it, like he's mm-hmm. terrible on it. Um, but he's really good on some other things, namely so, economics, right? So, uh. Right, things but, like go ahead uh, but keeping people around just because they're good on economics is the worst reason to keep them around uh, what, what do you mean by keep them around i still listen to ben shapiro on a daily basis pretty much because i want a, a cogent argument from the right that's very succinct and quick well yeah if you want an argument from the right he's probably really good uh but you know within the wider range of libertarian politics there are people that are not libertarian that write for libertarian groups that quite frankly i can't stand to go to those groups because of those people would Uh, you would you like to name names uh gary north for one yeah uh, you know for the mises institute yeah was it reinhold was basically saying like he was like Advocating violence against gays or something? What was it? Uh, he is a Christian reconstructionist, okay. which basically means anything that he agrees with from the Old Testament is something that he thinks you should be able to be stoned to death in the streets for. Okay. Not for that, Gary North. <laughs> right. And he what? literally <laughs> believes that. What? Uh, I, you know what? I mean, he's as I bad will, as uh, <laughs> I'll forward an article that has uh, quotes of his. Uh, when I get a chance to pull that up. Wow. There's but. there's a weird thing where libertarians, especially newer libertarians, like if somebody is anti-power or anti-left, they're like, well, they're one of us. And then you're like, yeah, but I also want to stone gays. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Just because you hate the government, we don't, you're not one of me. Like, so I do think, you know, as much as I preach against like litmus tests 
Yeah. Stoning people to death is one of those things. And obviously so, – so yeah, I think you, you have to be discerning. And I think you have to understand what you believe, know what you believe, advocate for what you would believe. As I said uh, in the last couple episodes, don't be a pussy. Uh, you need to be courageous in what you talk about, know what you talk about. And listen, I talk all day long about things that I think I know about. And uh, for the most part, I'm pretty right, and I have a reason that I say the things that I believe. But I would say there's a – on a damn near daily basis, somebody corrects me on something because I'm a human being who's out in the world having conversation with people and talking about things, and you're not going to know everything. And that's why it's important to have public conversations because then people can inform you of, well, you fell short here. Did you know this thing? You know, you, you don't think in a vacuum. And so you've got to go out and you've got to be a part of the world and, and participate and share your opinion. And don't be afraid to be told that you're wrong or be accused of being a Republican or a Democrat. I think it happens to us all the time. Right. No. Oh, yeah. But Both ways. I just feel that you have to have a strong basis for associating with people, especially in a movement this small. You know, you get somebody who. And, the dude down in Florida, Invictus Soul. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the blood drinker. The kook. Right. Or, you know, the guy running in Virginia as an independent now just who because, wants to use our label. It, it's right. Like, just because the guy in Virginia says he's a libertarian, like, I can say I'm on the Indiana Pacers all I want, but it doesn't mean I'm on the team. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and, he was kicked out of the party in Virginia years ago for obvious reasons. Like... I just I get crazy at, at people even in our own group who are like I'm calling myself a classical liberal now and not a libertarian because I can't associate with these with these people the the party's gone like bro like what are you gonna do when a classical liberal starts touching kids like you're just gonna be I'm just uh, I'm just Dave that's the, my political party is Dave <laughs> like okay right no like we we do have to police the label. We have to challenge the people who have clearly unlibertarian views, and I don't mean a purity test, mm-hmm. but when you have a candidate as an independent for Congress calling himself a libertarian, an anarcho-capitalist, whatever he wants to assign the label, but he believes that women should be the property of the men in their lives, you're not a libertarian. Right, you don't understand... Personal self ownership. Number one is non-aggression principle. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, And the same for Gary North, who thinks that these religious crimes should be punishable by Old Testament fire and brimstone punishments. Did you like? I want to go. Did you skip the New Testament? Like, have you ever read Matthew? Because all you got to do is like read one book of the New Testament and. Jesus changes all of it. <laughs> like, like there's a whole section where they try to stone a prostitute, and he says, "Hey, hey, guys, he who is without sin, oh, you got us, Jesus. Oh, you got us, man. All right, we'll go. Hey, if you want to come over for dinner later, just hit us up. We're gonna go home now. Like, did you miss that, Gary? Okay. Anyways, idiots. I'm surrounded by idiots. Hey, no, not hey, you no. two. Oh, you two are great. Okay. I love you two. Love you too. That's what I love about We Are Libertarians. It's where all the non-idiot libertarians hang out. Everybody Mostly. else, idiots. Yeah. Right? <laughs> all right. Um, well. So uh, this young lady, Bethany Mandel, writes, <laughs> The angry left is turning me into a Trump supporter. 
and I will put all these at WeAreLibertarians.com in the show notes. Hey, if you want the show notes, I email them out now, and I send them to your inbox. So sign up at WeAreLibertarians.com. You can get the email with all the show notes, all the links. You know, there were three sets of bullet points and ten links in that last uh, episode that I posted, and I emailed those to you. So you can get those at uh, WeAreLibertarians.com. Sign up for our email newsletter. Um... During the election, the deluge of hate that came my way when I expressed my disapproval of then-candidate Donald Trump was so violent that I purchased a gun. But these days, the vitriol is coming from the other side. Chance the Rapper, for example, was eviscerated online for suggesting that black people don't have to be Democrats, and eventually pressured into apologizing. His comment came after Kanye West faced a firestorm of criticism and after tweeting in support of Donald Trump earlier this year... Country singer Shania Twain, a Canadian, also felt the need to apologize for stating that were she an American citizen with voting rights, would have voted for Trump. This is what I've said all along. Like, Donald Trump has gotten what he wants. We're all judging, like... If you would vote for him or not. I like... I... Like... I'm like 50-50 on Trump. Okay? And so nobody knows how to take me. Do I hate him or like him? Right. If if I were wearing my MAGA hat, <laughs> then it, people would know how to associate with me or not. Like it's so weird that one per, one person has become like uh, it's just so odd to me. Um, expressing anything resembling support for the Trump administration has become nothing short of taboo. Uh, And while these backlashes are hardly the same as tweets I would get threatening my family during the election, they do raise the question, should Americans really be publicly shamed and bullied into apologizing for stating that they support the President of the United States? There is more than a chance that this could spectacularly backfire. During the primary season and general election, I was a vocal conservative against Trump. I could not fathom how anyone could possibly support such an oaf, such a bully for President but I'm starting to understand, and I'm in the same boat as her. That's why this article really spoke to me, because I get I'm starting to get it. You know, people people like Greg who were Trump friendly or Tad or not Rob Kendall. Rob did it, but from the beginning. But like Tad was always like, more in Tad and Greg were always like, you don't you don't see what's out there. <laughs> you know, wait till it's mainstream. You know, and I remember, like, every time we talk about topics, Greg would be like, we should talk about campuses. Like, yeah, everybody's talking about that. Like, it's dead. Like, whatever. And he, w- he was right. We should have talked about it because it was, it was such a coming wave of what society would turn into in two years uh, from then. Yeah. Um, follow Greg at uh, athwarthistory.com uh, if you're interested in following up on what he's doing. Plugged. Um, yeah. I uh, post articles every day. I don't. I don't check it out, but very smart, very smart fellow. Unpaid advertisement. That's right. Um, <laughs> well, he did. He. It's the least I can do. Um, literally, the very least. <laughs> um, before the election, uh, one of my favorite writers. By the way, she mentions one of my favorite writers. I fangirled when she wrote this. The Atlantic's Connor Friesendorf published a dialogue he had with such a 22-year-old Trump supporter living and working in Silicon Valley. How could such a man possibly support then-candidate Trump, was the question Friesendorf put to him. For me personally, it's resistance against what San Francisco has been and what I see the country becoming in the form of ultra-PC culture, the Trump supporter told him. 
That's where it's almost impossible to have a polite or constructive political discussion. Disagreements get you labeled fascist and racist and bigoted. This backlash against political correctness is what Donald got Trump elected. Not only do Trump's voters continue to believe his level of political correctness is correct, but surveys consistently find the highest correlation between being anti-PC and supporting Trump. Stronger even than feelings about immigration. So basically, it's like the motivating factor that somebody somebody supports Trump because he's fighting the PC leftists. I'd say that's probably a big part of of it for you, isn't it, Galt? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like that's is that would that be your what's your number one reason that you really are favorable towards Trump? I don't. I wouldn't go as far as saying <clears throat> that you support Trump, but you are favorable um, to him more than I. Drain in the swamp. How's that going for you? Yeah, it's still <laughs> a swamp, but. Hey, I mean, it's a—it's uh, definitely a changing landscape. <laughs> it doesn't look exactly the same, which is what I want. I just want to change. Like, had term limits would be nice if we can get that while he's right. in there, because he's the only president that's ever said term limits, right, for Congress. So that would be nice. That'd be a victory for me. Things like that, you know, just uh, changing the status quo. Um, any, I, I, every uh, primary, I always seem to pull a different party but i'm really it just depends on how many status quo candidates i can vote against okay so that's pretty much hillary clinton was the embodiment of the status quo Absolutely. so that's 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 the reason that's w- the main reason w- what would you say your relation to trump is how do you feel about him paul well i'm generally not too favorable of his demeanor but like i said earlier he seems to stumble in every once in a while onto a decision that is agreeable to me gorsuch being yeah. like the fallback go-to like it's 60 I, bucks in your paycheck is helping too you know stuff like that where you're like okay oh got yeah, some good stuff. tax rate nice yeah, yeah i mean i mean there are certainly things that i think he, he's done correctly but probably for the wrong reasons right uh and you know i i don't let myself fall into the trap of you know He's anti-PC. Okay, I hate PC culture. So, like, yeah, I I hate PC culture with a burning passion, but I don't allow myself to fall into lockstep behind somebody because of that. It's it's like single-issue voters. Like, I've never understood single-issue voters because you will violate ten principles and values that you have for the sake of one because you're so intent, well... I, I'm abortion. I'm pro-life, and yeah. so I'm going to vote for I'm going to vote for this guy who is going to invade Iraq and kill because an, that's not an, important. An, an as, order as man, important. right? So I just I've never understood the sing, the single issue voter, and to me the PC culture, the reason they support Trump is that like that's single issue voting to me. I get it. Sure. I hate it, but I you know that's what it is. Um, the first reliable predictor for if someone would vote for Trump was party affiliation. The second was too much political correctness in this country. Hmm. That was a statement that they agreed Third with. Third was, I watched Jordan Peterson. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, she goes on to talk about the move to Jerusalem. Um, let's see. By PC culture, I don't mean things like the very positive fact that we can't call minority ugly epithets anymore. I mean liberals defining what counts as appropriate speech and demanding felty to these standards such that every perceived wrong step, every comment they don't like, is turned into something as egregious as the N-word. 
That's very, very true. And and this is where people who are people who like like me, who I would say is is uh, definitely in the world. I think if you're a libertarian, I think you're a moderate politically because you're kind of in between the two. You see the good and bad of of both. So like you may not be a moderate in policy, but in terms of politics, you're more of a moderate. You're more of an independent. And you know, I just look at it and I go, okay, like nobody wants to say the N-word. Maybe there are some people toothless in Madison, Indiana who want to say it, but like by and large, like only when I'm rapping. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nobody wants to nobody's asking for the right to be racist. We're asking for the right to have conversations without the attack yeah. coming shortly without after. Without the threat. We're we're asking or, for you not to publish articles saying men should be, men should be should not be a part of society. Like or, you know, a uh Polish game developer not having any people of color in their video game when it's set in medieval central Europe. <laughs> right. You know, right. the demand to have inclusiveness in spite of historical accuracy. Right. You know, I, it, those are pushes I've seen, and it's... The the idea that the female Ghostbusters or the female Ocean's Eleven is... It's not, it's not a good movie. We understand it's not funny, but this is historic. <laughs> Wakanda is historic. Okay, well, we've had lots of black superheroes. We've had we've had lots of female leads in movies. Like the 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 push to make things culturally significant and huge milestones. Uh, you know, it's it, that's the kind of stuff that really pushes people the other way. It makes them reactionary, and that's what a lot of it is about. Is people become reactionary when they weren't reactionary before. You know, it's like I've told the story of my dad who, I'm going to get a Confederate flag. My dad's been to Georgia, but, like, our history is from, it goes no further south than Vincennes, Indiana. <laughs> like, there's, you know, no ties to the Confederacy whatsoever. No one in our family fought in the Revolutionary or the uh, Civil War except for uh, one f- member on his side in the Union. So, wow. <laughs> like, like... <laughs> And he wants a Confederate flag because he's pissed off. Like, how dare you tell me that my efforts to build this society and raise children in it, you know, and this is why boomers get mad at me. It's like, how dare you? You know, we did the best we thought we could. We were doing the best we thought we were doing. You know, like, it's reactionary. And so it's like, it's Gay Pride Month, for instance. Like, if you're a Christian, you may think that uh, two uh, gay couple shouldn't be uh, joined in the covenant of marriage. Okay, that's like a violent act. If if you're at a pride festival, it's like no, you know, I just don't want my church to marry two gay people. I just think that violates our beliefs. If you want to go to the Episcopal ch- Episcopal Church, they'll they'll marry you. That's not good enough. No. Like you have to wage jihad to every baker ben- has to make a gay every voice. church has to marry a gay couple. Like. <laughs> Like it's to the point where people are like, every, it's it's hate speech to not want to suck a dick. I'm not even joking you. Like I I read articles probably once every couple months where it's literally like some gay rights activist blogging saying men and women who don't want to have gay sex are actually uh, homophobic. It's it's wrong. Oh, that the, everyone they should. Is bi. Yeah, the new right. flavor of the month is 
if you can't have sex with a woman who has a penis, right? It's well, like what? I don't want. I don't want to. <laughs> women, women have penises now. No, get with. <laughs> It's current year, Galt. <laughs> you hateful bigot. What'd you have for lunch? Le Chick Fil A. Oh my god! Get out. Oh my god! I did. Uh, get out. It was so good that juicy moist chicken. Oh, it's so good. I love it. So wait, 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 wait. I thought you were against having cock in your mouth. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. That's good, Paul. That's very good. Uh, and it should be noted. You know what? Are, what are you wearing, Paul? I am wearing a Pride T-shirt. That the uh, vice chair of the LPMC, the Marion County Party, uh, designed for our Pride Festival last week. Looks like a porcupine to me. It is a porcupine. Oh. It is the uh, Liberty Porcupine with uh, Pride colors. Which is a rainbow. That's right. All, however many stripes there are. Rainbows was started as a symbol of God. It was. How'd they steal that? I don't know. I we used to love rainbows. It's got, it's got Bob, let's put Bob Mueller on it. I know. <laughs> special special counsel. <laughs> yeah. No, I just like I had people at like w- like with suspecting questions like why weren't you at Pride with the Libertarians? Like you stayed home. Does that mean you're not down with homos? Like what? No. <laughs> like I it, think it's more of uh trying to shame you into coming out more often. Uh no, it's not gonna work. Like yeah. it's not gonna I'm not gonna I would love to see you out more often at the events and stuff, but I understand how taxing everything has been for you. I, I, I get like I get uh, Saturday afternoons to myself most of the time, and I'm thinking of starting a, d- doing the Chris Spengel show every Saturday, so <laughs> I can't give myself a break. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I like, well, if everyone out there would uh, donate a little bit more to Patreon, maybe that's you right. wouldn't have to work so hard. There was uh, hmm. two people who yelled, where's Spengel at the Libertarian uh, folks? In the, as you walked through the parade, two people yelled, where's Spengel? Nah. And I just want to say to my sugar daddies, Please stop this. I told you I'm on the down low. I would appreciate it if you didn't if you didn't out me to my libertarian friends. And uh, honestly, if you weren't at Pride, you missed a great time. I was yeah. uh, walking with Mark, our candidate for Secretary of State, and uh, he knows how to dance. Really? Yes. He I'd was, love to see Rutherford huh, dancing. I haven't seen that. He was busting a move out there during oh, the parade. That is Mark's hilarious. Awesome. No, I love Pride. I think it is it is the first time I ever went anywhere and somebody like like it was just the first time I went somewhere and everybody was able to be themselves when they weren't able to be themselves anywhere else. Oh no, it's And so it's great to see people like open up and, you know, but but for me it's just like I don't want to go to a parade. Like it's 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 not <laughs> Do you even ever go to any parades? No, to it's, go to the 500 no, parade? No, that's so many people. Like I'm not an introvert. But I get very worn out by social cues. So, like, I'm the I'm like the opposite of libertarians. Like, I'm what's called a highly sensitive person, and what that means is that I I pull in so much data. Like, as we're sitting here, my brain, even as I'm reading this stuff, is feeling every every thing that you put off. <laughs> like, I can tell when Paul's a little bored, or I need to go to him and engage him in a question because his mind, like. I feel it all, and so if you're in a big crowd of people, I get tired. Like it's it like a superpower. It, it it's 
it, wow. Yeah, it's That's good the math. exact opposite for me because when I was marching holding the banner, like <laughs> it, I felt great, you oh, know, man. and I hate being in front of crowds. If you put me in front of a group of 20 people with something to right. read, I am in agony. Right. But marching in the parade, fantastic. Best energy I've felt all year. Yeah, it's fun. Nice. Yeah, so if I'm in a crowd like that, I, it just sucks so much mental energy out of me. And I spend all week around people talking, negotiating with people, and doing this till ten thirty every night, every Tuesday and Thursday. So like by the time a Saturday rolls around, the last place I want to go is anywhere. Mm-hmm. So and it's definitely not a place with five hundred thousand, two hundred, a hundred thousand people. So it's and and there's so much stimuli there. So I'm an yeah. e, I'm an ENFJ. I'm an extrovert. I love people, but it, it does. I got to have some recovery time. I'm not I'm not like our buddy, the boss hog of liberty, Jeremiah, <laughs> who f- could force. He could be he, he, like the race day. He's with people for 24 hours straight. He goes home and he's like, "Anybody want to come over and go swimming?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, <laughs> leave me alone. Right. <laughs> Stop forcing your friendship on me." <laughs> I love it. I love Jer. I uh, Jer. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. He he pulls me out of my funks whether I want him to or not. <laughs> That's awesome. Um. So yeah. Uh. Anyways, uh, this obsession with political correctness, which fueled Donald Trump's election, has now spread and mutated to incorporate him. Part of being a member of a politically correct culture has now become an insistence on repudiating the president and his election. Americans are told they should not, they cannot, support this man under any circumstances. To do so is racist, the cardinal sin of our generation. In 2018, supporting the president of the United States will get you labeled a racist. Liberals point to things like new policy on immigration which separates children from their parents, comparing it to the Nazis. This overreaches and abuses in the realm of immigration are heartbreaking and disheartening. It's disingenuous, however, for liberals to suddenly be concerned, given how much of Trump's treatment of immigrants is merely an extension of Obama-era policies. Recently, several instances of abuses were shared from kids in cages to prison buses, which were at the time blamed on the Trump administration but were later exposed to be from before his inauguration. That's true. The separating of kids. Like, if you look at the Obama era photos of kids in dog kennel cages, they're on way, they're not on cots. The Trump kids are on cots, at least. So, we've, uh, as a country, have managed to, uh, we, we may separate children from their parents, but at least we're giving them a cot. It's progress. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, that whole thing to me is like, it, it's, and you try to have a conversation with a Trump supporter, and you go, do you support this? They sh- this was the consequence of coming to this country. You break the law. This is what you get. But do you think it's right to separate human parents from human children? <laughs> this was just the consequence. It's like the, it's the way it's got to be. It's the way it's got to It's like this is the country that you want to devise. This is the country you want to live in. <laughs> oh, this is just how it is. Oh, fuck, for fuck's sake. I hate you people. Get out of my... Get you can't just let them have all our money. Like John Ulrich. Go to you our know, schools for free. I try to live a life where I don't wish ill upon people, but I cannot wait for something terrible for the police to kick down their front door. Right. Well, this is the price you pay, fuckwit. <laughs> right. Like, okay, but, like, take their nationality out of it. Have some empathy. If right, no. you were a parent... Or you were a child, would you want a child who is being breastfed by a mother to be separated and given formula 
and totally separated from their parent, wonder why that person is going to be a violent gang member. Oh, I don't know. You uh, detached them from their attachment figure at the most vulnerable stage of their growth. Like, yeah. you fucking idiot. Like, it just, to me... It, you don't take the bird out of the nest. Right. Little baby birds. And so, it, it, to, this is one of those instances where the Trump people are just... It, it drives me crazy because you can't see the humanity of the other people because you're so invested in protecting the president. Because if I, if I give it even an inch, then the, then the libs will win. My team. I've got to own the libs. Um, hmm. It's impossible to take liberals and journalists' concerns about welfare of immigrants at face value after eight years of slumber through the entire Obama administration. It's not only dis- it's not only disingenuous. What the president's opponents don't seem to understand is the hysteria and excuses are only driving more Americans into believing that we were desperately in need of a corrective. The refusal to accept that millions of Americans knowingly voted for Trump will only help the president earn another term. For the hysteria from the left over dissent of any kind, but especially pertaining to Trump, is precisely what has resulted in the owning the liberals mentality on the right, which is only gaining steam. Um, As Selena Zito explains in The Great Revolt, Rust Belt voters watched on cable television as the left and journalists pigeonholed their rebellion as an ugly bout of white nationalism, doubling down on all the elites, elitist snobbery those voters sought to rebuke. And it's starting to get to me, too. And, like, it's partially a reaction to the Trump years. Like, what, what, or the Obama years. What Obama did so well was talk down to people. You know, it was, it was this, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, very intelligent. Like, he would go on these, like, the apology tour. Never goes on the, uh, he never actually apologizes on the apology tour. He just kind of goes over to the other nations and kind of says, we made a lot of mistakes and America isn't perfect. And then Americans back home don't really feel like their president has their back. And patriotism is a big deal to a lot of Americans, even a lot of libertarians. And, you know, Obama was – it's like the quote in Ben Rhodes' book, you know, when Trump won, Obama's words were, I guess I was just 20 years too early, meaning these people were just too stupid to get it. Uh, you know, and and the reason that the North Korean talks have never really worked is because it's the Clinton and the Obama administrations going, sitting down with the North Koreans and just talking to them, talking down to them, you know, treating them as if they are not equals and saying, this is what you're going to do. OK, honey, this is what you're going to do. And then they go, well, no, we're not going to do that. We're independent thinking nations. And who knows if Donald Trump did that? Who knows if Donald Trump sat down and actually listened to Anything he said, we don't uh, uh, think that he probably did, but you know, at least he, at, at least he tried. And so that that arrogance is part of the 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 Trump movement. It's that counterbalance to being talked down to for eight years. You're just not enlightened enough. Uh, <coughs> yes. Anything? You two no, seem yeah. like you're, there's pregnant pauses here. I feel like you want to say something. No, like, I definitely understand the, uh, I mean, it is the pendulum theory. You know, there's always a swing back. We're going to see the Republicans probably lose some seats in the House, probably a few in the Senate. Uh, We'll see if anything loosens up and swings the other way as far as control of one of the Houses this year. Uh, But there's, there's always a reaction to who's in power. I think 
because of the media being so in the pocket of the the former president uh, that it was probably worse this time around. Right. Because, you know, the frustrated middle America that didn't have anybody speaking about their frustrations went for went for broke and picked right. the biggest <laughs> FU they could to the system. You know. Exactly. The guy who's going to... Not only doesn't understand the norms, if when he figures out the norms, does the exact opposite. Yeah. Punches them right in the face. Yeah, if you were an <laughs> anti-Trump uh, conservative, there were you were probably looking for a political home when Trump was, I mean, nominated for president right. after that. And and the left could have embraced them. The left could have been like, there's there are some things we can probably agree on. Mm-hmm. We could work together or something. But and it's like they just got further away, and and that's what I feel like she's she's feeling is that nobody wanted to welcome her. Right. Nobody wanted to, nobody wanted her. There was no political home for her. Right. And, and Lord knows the libertarians aren't gonna be welcoming, and they're not gonna you know. Um, <laughs> you believe that? Sorry. Yeah, we're like a toxic video game. Right. Well, yeah, and that's one thing we definitely need to focus on in the future is having a dialogue over those issues we disagree with instead of castigating people for it. Right. Uh, I mean, unless those issues happen to be like the ones I brought up earlier, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there there is a line, and we need to identify that line, and anything on the we can change it or we can mitigate it side of the line. We actually need to engage with those people. Right. All right. Um, she continues, instead of trying to understand Americans and their choice for president, anyone voicing even a modicum of support for the administration is bullied into apologies and silence. The media turned public statements of support for the president into a news story for their viewers and readers to get outraged over. That's the least of the media's campaign against the president, which includes countless mistakes and corrections, which only seem to break one one way, against the administration. For a group of professionals who express shock and horror at the label of fake news, many members of the media are doing nothing but providing more ammunition for Trump's attacks. When he finally does do something well, like moving our uh, embassy to Jerusalem or stepping out of an extraordinary flawed Iran nuclear deal, it's ignored or villainized. Americans notice the double standard, the refusal to see anything positive, and the fixation on everything negative. There are some accomplishments every American can or should admit are positives. The economy is in fantastic shape. Trump has brought home American political prisoners from North Korea and Venezuela. He has pushed through the first steps of important criminal justice reform. These stories are roundly ignored by media and a media intent on taking down the president, not reporting on his administration. It's enough to make even a never-Trumper like me into a MAGA hat-wearing Trump supporter. Well, it's almost enough. Every time he opens his mouth, I am reminded why I couldn't vote for him. I'm reminded of his words about there being very fine people on both sides of Charlottesville. But if the president's opponents continue to ignore his accomplishments and mindlessly attack him for another few years, it could create even more spiteful Trump voters as a result. And I think that's dead on. I think the way that you... What... What many people who are against Trump, I won't say on the left, I will say people who are against Trump and the more vehement ones, you know, Rob Reiner, who uh, is a very outspoken critic of Donald Trump, hardcore leftist, you know, meathead on All in the Family, uh, great director, writer. 
you know, basically said on Michael Smirkanish's show, yeah, Robert De Niro is wrong. Like, if you're going to, if our goal is to save democracy, if our goal is to bring sanity back to politics, you can't be insane, you know. And so I think there is, there there is a, a point where people on the left really need to check themselves before they wreck themselves. <laughs> Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on this? Um, Not on this one. Okay. How about you? What else we got? Well, I think we should wrap up. Oh. Okay. Final thoughts for this episode. Let's go with the lovely Paul Copeland. Okay. Uh, no, like the the pushback, uh, you know, if you believe some of the classical theories of uh, why people vote for incumbents or against incumbents, you know, if the economy keeps chugging along, we'll have another four years of Trump. Right. Uh, and the only question is, does he get reelected with both houses of the legislature with him or against him? Right. So, you know, keep pushing left. <laughs> right. And we'll see where it ends up. Yep. I mean, I mean, as libertarians, it's like... 2020 is gonna it's gonna be like 2016 it's gonna suck what are you gonna what do you if you're a libertarian what are you gonna choose donald trump or joe biden or worse bernie sanders and donald trump or bernie sanders and donald trump (laughs) like have every have everything you want mexico will pay for it (laughs) so so like for libertarians it's not going to be a great choice and all the people being discussed for uh a candidate than uh, Libertarian Party, I wouldn't vote for at this point. Mm. I mean, Weld could make a case. I'll vote for Weld. I, I could vote. I could see myself voting for Weld, but I have. I, I don't know. Like to me, oh, yeah. it's just. I, I've been told this lie so many times that I can bring lots of donors and I can bring <laughs> lots of support. You and, did, and we raised more money than we ever have with him, ever. Yeah, but I I don't know. He's so uninspiring. We got more votes than we've ever gotten with him. Then put somebody inspiring as his vice president. But that you don't want someone inspiring. You want a leader. And it's I, about time and Libertarian I feel Party that, picked leaders. I know, and I don't feel that Bill Bill Weld Bill is Weld a leader. Is definitely yeah. a leader. Nor do I think that Bill Weld really understands the basics of libertarianism. You know, he's been in the party for five years now, four yeah, years now, but, right? I that's saw, a that's a lot of exposure to. I saw the guy it. speak and he's struggling, but he's lately be, he's better than he was in 2016. But he's no. still, you know, if he would have ran and then not done anything for the party for four years and then asked to run again, I would have been like, no, right. screw no, you, absolutely. go away. But he's been holding donor events you and know. fundraisers, and yeah. he's been trying to help the party. Right. So if I think Bill, he he can earn it that way yeah. with me, if Bill Weld had acted, say like. McAfee uh, and yeah. disappeared yeah. for two years and then said, well, if they want me back. Yeah. It's like, if you'd stayed and helped build, we would have you. you. We would have you. And I, I'm not at this point saying that I would never vote for Kokesh, but hmm. I've been around long enough and have seen so many of Kokesh's stunts that I just I just can't I don't know that I'll be able to get there but I'm gonna records too big I'm gonna give him an open (laughs) mind John McAfee I've watched gringo on Netflix and Showtime Uh, it's a no-go I'm sorry I I, I will never vote for that guy for anything even if let's say uh, Ross and our group is right and that he it was a smear job and all of it's untrue it's still out there 
Mm-hmm. It's still out there for the, your normal voter to go watch Gringo, and they're never going to have the sophistication right. to go to a Facebook group and the you know, well has been poisoned. On yeah, that one. he's he's done. I'm, and, no, thank you. And I don't trust Kokesh to not poison the well himself uh, yeah. and you know try to get arrested for you know polluting. Right, I like Peterson, but he's not going to run now because no. he's. Already running for something else. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so my final thoughts. Uh, are, you, are you finished? Oh, I'm finished. Okay. I just want to make sure. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Um, I have a little story. So I went to vote in May mm-hmm. in the primary, just like I go to vote every time mm-hmm. at the uh, little old folks' apartment in Decatur on my nice. main road. Right. And I go in, and the first time she says, your name's not on the list. So I was like, hmm. I voted here every single time. She said, well, they didn't change the polling places, so they had to... It took like an hour, and right. they gave me a provisional ballot and told oh. me to just to vote anyway. Okay. And that they'd send me a letter telling me if it counted or not. Okay. Well, I just got the letter. All right. So that now I can tell the story. All right. <clears throat> the letter is um, a pre-printed big letter that is generic and doesn't mean anything towards my case, except for they wrote in handwriting in one sentence at the very bottom of the letter, and it says... Your voter registration was canceled due to inactivity. What? I have voted in every election that I can possibly vote in. Including primaries? Including primaries, even though I don't have to. Right. They shouldn't cancel my voter registration because I don't vote in the primary. What? And they did. They canceled. And I I voted in the general and my name was on the list. See, so does that make sense? No. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So So my vote didn't count for for the primary here. So... They scrub the lists, and th- there's a big controversy going around. Like back in 2012, I was one of three people who who could purchase the list. The executive directors of the three political mm-hmm. parties in Indiana could could buy the list for five thousand dollars. And I, in 2012, opened it up in Ac- Microsoft Access and looked at it. And there were six million records. This database. It took like all day to open up. It was insane. This file. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, so there are six million records. There's six million people in Indiana, and so it's dead people. People have moved away. Like my former boss, Scott Sands, moved away in 2011. His name, he's still registered to vote in Marion County. So there's no reason. Like I hear those stories all the time. That's why I could not believe right. that they canceled my voter. Registration. And so they do scrub the list daily. Here in Indiana, huh. I found out, and they, I remember them telling me that, like, yeah, if you move or whatever, we make that we make that adjustment almost daily. Almost daily, the list is updated, and so I'm for scrubbing the list because when you have a big database, it's harder to to deal with, right? You you want a smaller database to deal with, so there's less mistakes. You shouldn't have been canceled in any way, shape, or form. So I would go to your county clerk and I would say, "What the hell is this about?" Actually, go there to the city county building. Yeah, go to the city. Yeah. Go talk to the clerk. That's what I was going to do. Or go down to the state election board at the at the Indiana State House and say, "What's up?" And I think that this is important for people to double check their registration. Yeah. Don't just because as these states uh, they've ruled that they can scrub the lists and that. You know, the Democrats are like, this is going to disenfranchise people. And it did. It disenfranchised our own Chris Galt. Right. But at the same time, you could have double checked. Yeah. You know? I, I did assume yeah. that I would be able to vote. Right. You know, I didn't. I did not check. 
there's there's no so now i know every time i go to vote i'm gonna check beforehand right every time now <laughs> no who who checks nobody checks should you check probably but now you will and i will i'm glad know? it was just a small primary and not a right a very big important race yeah no because <laughs> yeah exactly I mean, i'm just one vote but still right i want it to count so i would i would go check every state website has a voter registration mm-hmm. website you can go check it you know indiana's is very easy i think they have an app too mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would definitely check that, and you should find out what happened. Yeah, I will, and I'll and I'll report back to everyone. Yeah. But I uh, on the door of the voting poll, the polling place, <clears throat> it said no political clothes or mm-hmm. hats allowed. Well, today the Supreme Court ruled that we can. Right, we can wear whatever we want into those places. Which here's why <laughs> this is a great thing. It's right? so great. There's one reason that this got changed. Okay, it's because. Every time you work the polls and you're passing out, you've done this cult, <laughs> yeah. you're standing out front, you're handing out materials, brochures as people walk in, you got to pee, and then you got to take off your shirt or turn it inside out or <laughs> to whatever. To go inside and so use you can go, Yeah. And so uh, this is- this ridiculous. Is, this is not some person who cares about the First Amendment. They were like, I should get to pee. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's the reason? No, I, I'm not saying that's the actual reason. <laughs> Three but, of the five, right. seven justices. Yeah. So like Elena- Did it K- just for pee breaks? Elena, <laughs> right. Elena Kagan's like, I, I remember that time I needed to pee. Um, but yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, uh, absolutely. See you guys in next week or in a couple weeks. Yeah, it was fun having you guys on. Thanks for coming back, Paul. Hope yeah. that lots of people Thank hit you. you up about Liberty and Chill. Yeah, I hope so as well, and I will do better about getting on that. Yes, as always. Entirely on my shoulders, the failing of getting this running. Paul, as you know, I'm the listeners and the listeners are me, so I need you to make a public apology to me. Oh, wow. I, Paul Copeland, do hereby apologize for my failings in seeing through the duties assigned to me by dear leader Chris Spangle and by the audience of We Are Libertarians. I beg forgiveness for my transgressions against the Empire. Mittens, what do you think? Witness, Chris. Mittens was satisfied. And Mittens. Mittens Mittens was satisfied with your answer. Uh, Thank you, and I appreciate that. And just make sure you hit those people up. There's like five or six people, and... Send uh, no Luke Lomax. He says you are not me. That is not true. What? Dear leader is the audience, and the audience is me. <laughs> I am one with my people. Uh, for those of you who are new who don't understand the dear leader <laughs> reference, uh, so back in the day, a certain co-host got a little too uppity and was let go. I won't name any names. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> Somebody getting uppity and getting kicked off. What kind of person does that? A libertarian. Paul? What kind of person? <laughs> a Paul? libertarian. I, would you say this person? I mean, it mu- he must have had emotional issues, or <laughs> he like it's so easy to get along here. He must have been like the most. Oh, so easy to get along. Am yeah. I not delightful? You didn't have Ever- a guy sitting in here for two and a half hours playing a guitar. Oh, my God. Oh, you would have been so annoyed right now, and you would not have just said that. It is true. <laughs> Much as I love Creighton, he, he he was a lot back then. Yeah. But Chris Galt, uh, Chris Galt and Creighton had a fight, literally a fight. No, it wasn't. If you go it back wasn't and, a fight. I think it was like episode 20, episode 30. <laughs> go back, and it's labeled the fight, and they have a fist fight at the end. Well, sort of. Chris Galt, Galt tried to punch him. Uh, we recreated it at episode 200. <laughs> Uh, our episode 200 special. Um, and so so Galt left, 
and we're in the group chat. I didn't leave. Well, I didn't leave. You, I said choose. Uh, and you, I said it was well, on you. If you're going to force a I choice, leave. I didn't leave. If you're going to force a choice, I'm going to I'm going to make the choice right now. That's, you made it for me. That's right. I said yep. I, I'm I'm going to need I'm going to need your card. Turn yep. in your scan card, and and he was escorted off. Against my will. Against his will. Yep. He loaded up all his little Google gadgets and <laughs> went on home. No more Hangout nope. video Left, calls. gone. Yep. Demanded my email back and I said goodbye. And uh, <laughs> I just got in the group chat and I go, listen. And that was my last time in the Rupert headquarters. <laughs> this is very egalitarian. I love that you guys participate, but this is mine and I am the dictator here. And uh, just kind of jokingly trying to ease the tension. And uh, then they started calling me Kim Jong-un. And then Greg had read this thing about Steve Jobs called Dear Leader's Blog. And it basically was – and so eventually I just kind of became Dear Leader. It doesn't uh, help that you were also the president of all libertarians. Yes. Duke Oliver, city county counselor, once introduced me to Joanne Sanders. He goes, uh, this is uh, – uh, he's a uh, – the president of all libertarians, Chris Spangler. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's executive director uh, <laughs> of so, all libertarians. Though. And that, that, that works fine. And that joke, <laughs> that joke combined with the Galt thing, eventually transformed into "I am dear leader, the most glorious empire, emperor of all libertarians, <laughs> the the uh, supreme commander of the realm, uh, mandatory uh, the realm of mandatory freedom." I have to look up my title, but uh, it's very official, and so. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's just hilarious. Like, we used to take uh, propaganda posters from Korea and put my face on it. I did a video mm-hmm. once when I uh, I accidentally got killed on Facebook, and I made a video. I think it's still up on our YouTube channel of "Dear Leader Dies." North Koreans <laughs> crying and wailing at my image. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The funeral, yeah, <laughs> ceremony. So that's why my profile picture is uh, is my face mashed up with uh, Kim Jong Un, and that's where the dear leader thing comes from. So if you don't know, uh, now you know. And if you write me at editor at weirdlibertarians dot com, you must address me as dear leader. Uh, thank you for the public apology, Paul. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I mittens and I have uh, forgiven you. You oh, you've been granted a special dispensation. Muffins has now come out. Muffins. She has rubbed my leg to let me know that she forgives you as well. So all is right in the kingdom. Uh, and uh, so if you wrote us about Liberty and Chill, uh, then Paul will hit you back soon and we will get you set up. Uh, we've got a logo for it. we got uh, w- rules and all kinds of stuff So to help you get started so you can start gathering people one day a week. Basically, here's how it works. We want you to – so for instance, at the Liberty and Chill, it's every Friday night. 5 p.m. Right. until... Uh, 6 now. 6 now, Because okay. of Harry's uh, job. employment issues. Okay, yes. His stupid job that gets in our way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so... Come back, Harry. We miss you. 6, six to 9, 6 to 10. It's in a bar that is... It's, it's not a bar. It's, it's a... Brew house. A, a brew house. And so they have great food. They have drinks. Kids and families are allowed to attend. They have a patio if you want to bring your dog. Right. And so we tried to find like the best place that would allow, you know, anywhere from half a dozen to a dozen libertarians to hang out once a week. You bond with the staff. They give you all kinds of uh, deals and have a great meal with other like-minded people. And you start developing friends. uh, And the goal is to get 
you you start one. You invite your local libertarian friends that you know. Have them invite their friends. We'll promote it on this. So if there's any listeners in the area, for instance, I know in Atlanta we could have like five people show up to one. Right. You know, Texas wants to do one. Uh, New York City had written in, uh, and Fort Wayne with Christy Avery. So right. we want to have liberty and chills. So it's a weekly gathering, and you have to be consistent about it. You get a couple co-hosts. So if Harry can't make it one Friday. Paul's there hosting just to make sure that there's a familiar face so it's consistent. Because if you do it too infrequently it, or if one person has to do it all the time, then it just kind of – I don't know. Yeah, it, it becomes a job. It's burnout. Right. right. Uh, and, you know, it, it's not designed to be an echo chamber either. Uh, Harry has a friend who is decidedly much more left-wing than any of us there. And he comes and we discuss things in a civil, polite way uh, when he has questions about our positions on things. And he may not have – he may not be flipping to our side, but he certainly understands the thought process (laughs) a lot better than the caricature he would have had, you know – Three months ago, yeah, like a bunch of incel betas hanging out and you know talking about Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Probably a good thing Creighton moved to New York. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be yelling and screaming at these things. No, <laughs> he just gets in the most intense debates. And I would say I've <laughs> I've been to three of the current iteration. We used to do Liberty and Chill in 2016. Bittner actually started this because Ooh. he he moved here and had no friends. Yeah, I can't do this now. And so I would go, and all my friends would come to hang out with me. And then Bittner thought they were his friends. <laughs> Little did he. Um, so. <laughs> but the goal was basically let's get together and hang out. But I I don't know that I've ever really talked politics when I've gone to the dozen Liberty and Chills I've been to over the years. Like it's yeah. just not even about politics. It's literally just about like getting, getting to know to, each other, getting together, hanging yeah, out, like talking about common interests, maybe politics. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's decidedly unpolitical. Right. Like one of my favorite memories I have is. Uh, our state chairperson uh, standing there discussing Star Trek with Harry. Right. You know, that's, it's amazing to me. Like, yeah, you could use the time to do business, but, you know, we've been doing business all week. It's time for a little bit of fun. Yep. And Picard was the best captain. Yeah, agreed. Mittens, what do you think? She agrees too. Yep. Uh, so, on one, your opinion doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the whole point is to get together, and if you want to branch out, and you know, like, uh, you know, we may have two at some point here: one on the south side, one on the north side. Or, there you go. You know, uh, so the point is really just to kind of give you community around the show, around the the people that are attracted to the show, and uh, you know, the Discord has been great. We ask that you start an Instagram, and the reason that I want to start an Instagram, you give me access. So if I <laughs> uh, if I need to p- plug anything we are libertarians, I will, but I probably never will. But mainly the goal is to show human beings. Right. Proof of fun. Proof of, right. And so that's one thing that- uh, We're proof, real people. Right. <laughs> so uh, I don't want any uggos on it. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, darn. No. I'll take all the pictures of me down. Right. No. We're not just doing a, We are Libertarians calendar. Right. <laughs> Christy, Christy Avery says Cisco is the best. I don't even know what, F, what series Cisco was on Star Trek. Christy, uh, Christy are you or, okay? Or was she talking about Costco? Because I know she's been shopping there recently. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so anyways, uh, I'd like 
every Liberty and Chill organization to start an Instagram because if people are kind of think a it's promotion, but if people are kind of thinking of going, they're intimidated by going and meeting people. But if they see the people that are going to go and hang out with, they see the surroundings. They're more likely to show up. Right. It makes it a little more comfortable for them, especially since libertarians are introverts. Yeah. So, no, that was exactly my experience yeah. uh, two years ago for the 2016 iteration was right. uh, intimidation, and I put it off until I went to a few business meetings and then knew one or two people <laughs> to talk to. Yeah, Cisco did the thong song, not piloted the Enterprise. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> Deep Space Nine, apparently. Oh. That was the girl captain. Oh, it was the girl captain. No, oh. no, no thank you, feminism. Christy. Gross. feminism. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it was, she was a great captain. Love the character. Uh, so that's that's the deal. It's really supposed to not be work. It's right. like if you want to organize one, it literally is creating a Facebook page one, you know, for every Friday, and that's it. And maybe taking some snaps on Instagram. That being said, if any like county level affiliates spring up out of these, uh, let us know so that uh, Chris gets the credit for yeah. it. Yeah, it's all about credit for Dear Leader. I'm trying to remake the Libertarian Party in my image. Really? Um, no, <laughs> God no. <laughs> I didn't I think so. No. <laughs> uh, and then the next the next iteration after we kind of get uh, over the next year or so after we get Liberty and Chill up and running and after we get uh, the I want to get some merch. So if you have ideas of T-shirts that you would like to buy yeah. or tchotchkes that you'd like, I'd love to hear your suggestions. Definitely want to do merch. Uh, and you know, some affiliates. So like if you shop on Amazon, you go to our link and then we get credit, buy books at, I want to do all that stuff. Cause that's just like, to me, basic stuff that I should be doing, but I just haven't gotten around to setting up yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want to eventually here in the next year or two, uh, there's two plans that I, I really would like to have, uh, happen that are in the long-term planning. First is WallCon. I'd love to do a convention here in town, bring people bring people in and do a Liberty and Chill for a weekend, basically like a fun little retreat, get listeners together here in Indianapolis, uh, do a live show. Wow. Did muffins just touch no, your foot? my vagina's wet from WallCon. Oh. <laughs> WallCon. <laughs> I cannot wait. WallCon. And so, yeah, have a fun little retreat. So uh, if if that's something that you'd be interested in doing, then please your encouragement. Uh, that I'd be I'd love to hear it. And then secondly, um, you know, Boss Hog of Liberty. Uh, I think you if you look at if you look at our selection of shows, uh, it's me giving friends podcasts. Uh, I think Bittner's Keto Podcast has run its course. Uh, Miranda's World has run its course. Miranda is. Uh, going through life changes and making some really positive changes in her life and just kind of felt like, ah, I just don't want this stuff out there anymore. That's not going to be me anymore, and I just don't want to. So if that disappeared, that's why. Uh, Tad, we still got Tad. Tad Talks is still out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may do an episode at some point. You know, and Jeremiah wanted to do a show, and I said, sure. No idea what the show would be, but Jeremiah is one of my best friends, so here's your show. And what it has turned into in in, uh, in Henry County and Newcastle is the media outlet. Like it's amazing what Dakota and uh, Jeremiah and their co-hosts have done in Newcastle. You know, in doing a show or two a week, 
they are the premier media outlet in their county. Yeah. Okay. They have a studio downtown. They have a studio downtown. They have a studio before me. Uh, but it's easier in a small town to buy space. Yeah, it's r- lower rent. Right. If you live in Indianapolis and you want to give me free, free <laughs> rent than low rent, cool. That's all you need. Property right. manager, a Patreon. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But anyways, the, those guys have done a great job of interviewing every candidate that was on your ballot that would come on of every party, every controversy, every news topic, every county council meeting is attended and recorded, uh, sports, entertainment, as it exists in Newcastle, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, history. History. You know, with the one episode about the unsolved case. That was yeah. interesting as could be. Yeah. And, you know, Everybody's like, mad that we didn't know that. Oh, who oh, that we, woman was. Oh. Like, she matters. <laughs> <laughs> there were two captains in Star Trek. Come on. <laughs> the opinions of Chris Galt are not necessarily those of Chris Bangalore or anyone else appearing on Wall Network. Um, and so what those guys have done out there is create really a, a thing that, you know, a, a thousand or so people are listening to, but their major voices in a small pond. And it it super serves a community, and it really has shown the community that libertarians are not only not weirdos living in their mom's basement, they're fun and engaging and knowledgeable, knowledgeable and ready to lead, and they've had three front-page news articles about the show. Uh, I mean, it's just really amazing what Boss Hoggle Liberty has been able to do. And what I would eventually like to do is maybe out of these um, Liberty and Chills, start helping podcasters in your local community do the same thing. You know, I'm not going to be able to to, uh, send equipment or spend a lot of time nurturing a ton of those podcasts, but in terms of giving you some recommendations and giving you some advice and guidance and and promotion in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, like Jeremiah and Dakota ask me every month. For, for five minutes of time, mm-hmm. you know, because they Google. I plug it. this in and it's giving me static. Exactly. What do I do? Right, <laughs> you know, but they're self starters and they yeah. they've built their own little thing, and so I think, I really think that that is a great model for the libertarian movement moving forward. Start your own little niche podcast because we didn't know what it was going to be when it's like oh, the yeah. greatest troll to me is that <laughs> Jeremiah's bossy, so I called him the boss hog of liberty once. And then made that the title of his show, demanded that he make it the title of his show, and now he's being taken seriously yeah. under that title. Like <laughs> it's funny to me. But you know, it's it's uh it's wall style. It's irreverent, it's fun, it's a great look at of you know, we talk about national issues on the big show here. Mm-hmm. We talk about cultural and societal issues and things that affect you. you know, I don't talk a lot about Indiana politics. If I talk about Indiana politics, for instance, it's, it's anecdotal. It's because there is an example that I can show you right. exist in your community. Uh, and so when they wanted to do the local, local, local route, I was like, hey, you guys know you're making a choice. Like, if you go this route, you're not going to get people in Georgia or California to listen. And, and how wrong you were. There are some. Maybe. I mean, we listen out here in Marion County. You listen. I've never heard it. Uh, <laughs> 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 but they uh 
by making that choice, they really stumbled into a great model for people. And I invite you to listen to uh, the Boss Hog of Liberty because I think if you are interested in starting a podcast around your local community, they do a great job. And I'd like to see that rolled out to other communities because if we have a network of, let's say, 100 different local podcasts and we have 100 different Liberty and Chills and our coverage of the United States at that point is – you know, nationwide, you know, not only can we or libertarians be an important voice, but you can be an important voice in your community and you can be an important voice in the lives of, of other people. What? It, apparently that captain's not a woman. Oh, really? <laughs> so this whole time it was a man. Oh, is it, was it Scott uh, I Bakula? Know. I don't know. Scott Bakula? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Like, it's Kirk and it's Picard. Everybody else is a poet. <laughs> Oh, Christy says you're off her bang list. What? Christy's Christie's no longer. Well, shucks. <laughs> I'm gonna Google this uh, Captain Cisco. So, so yeah, I I really think that uh, Cisco. Let's see here. <laughs> um. Oh, it's Black Picard. Okay. Oh, that's fine then. <laughs> Deep Space Nine. All right. This, I love this guy. This was a good captain. I agree. I thought he was great. The actor's great. Uh, and I really feel like he, uh, yeah. You just didn't know his name. I just didn't know his name, no. <laughs> but um, he's great, he, no, nonetheless. I've seen the show. <laughs> We're thinking of Catherine Janeway. Yeah, that's who I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on uh, Voyager. Voyager. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, Cisco was, was good. Um, <laughs> black Picard. <laughs> Very proud of my uh, myself. <laughs> Excuse me. Three weeks. I'm, I still have this laryngitis. It's unreal. My throat, when I lay down, will be on fire. So I've just been Advil and Robitussin it up. So, anyways, those are those are our plans. I think. Um, you know what what is important for me is community. I think it is it is as I've kind of talked a lot in the last couple episodes and and it's always really been an important part of the show. You know, Galt can tell you being here from the beginning what is it what it, what makes We Are Libertarians different than other podcasts is that it's really a community of people who contribute to this. And it's not me interviewing intellectuals. It's a community of people kind of living their lives over the air, and uh, it's, it's... It's nearly an open discussion. Yeah. I mean, you can go back and listen to me change my mind over mm-hmm. six years, and I will I will continue to change my mind, and you too. Yeah, definitely. Maybe not you, but Paul will. <laughs> so, it, it is... Uh, I've enjoyed the Patreon thing, as I've said, because we have opened up to um, having a bigger community. Facebook group a couple years ago really started it. The Discord has made another little community. The Patreon people uh, keep in contact with me a lot. Uh, And so, you know, I want to make the community bigger than me, you know, because it's it's getting to the point where I can read a lot of stuff, but I can't necessarily engage in a way that I would love to engage with everybody. And I want you guys to kind of take responsibility for the community through Liberty and Chill, create your own little space. You know, it's going to help the podcast because people show up and you say, yeah, there's this podcast we love, check it out. 
but more importantly, it's about you finding meaning through relationships with other people who share an interest. And then the next step beyond that is creating your own little We Are Libertarians and taking that little community to the next step, having a podcast based on your local community, and then going out into your community and connecting with it. Yep. And so first you connect with each other and then you connect with your community. And through that process, you know, you show that libertarians have solutions, that they have hearts, that they have brains, that they have character, maybe not charisma, but we'll work on that. Uh, and so, <laughs> so these are things that I'd like you to be thinking about, listener. Uh, and, you know, I don't. I don't want. I don't want an avalanche of people writing me here in the next like week saying <laughs> four hundred people want to start. I chapters. want to start a podcast. <laughs> as I want you to start a Liberty and Chill. I want you to listen to Boss mm-hmm. Hogan's Liberty and check out what they're doing, and then maybe in six months we'll talk. All right. So, because I think it's important to kind of have your plan together and know that really thirty people are going to listen for the first year. Yeah, but it's about and they did Sam right. He had to grow. Yeah, and, and and in a few years he'll he might be able to run for office there. He's already running for office. I think Jeremiah is dangerously close to being elected to city county council, or to the county council. I think it's county yeah. council. Yeah, yeah, it's county council. Yeah, and and it's because partly in a big way of Boss Hog of Liberty, and it's not because <clears throat> Boss Hog they're not they're not doing stuff that is offensive and provocative, and they're trying to wake their community up. It's they're really just being open-minded and, and talking through the issues well, objectively. Yeah, exactly. They're being leaders. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly right. Explain that. Well, leadership isn't about sh- grabbing people by the shoulders and shaking them and shoving their nose in a book like, read this Rothbard. Right. <laughs> you know, read Mises, read Rothbard, read, you know, read Basiat. Right. You need to go back and read the law. It, it's that Obama thing that we talked about earlier, that arrogance of you just don't know enough yet. And I certainly embody this. But being dear leader, I'm allowed. You people need to do that. Like, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, It's but, that attitude that your opinion isn't important. Your worldview that has been shaped by your life isn't, isn't important. You need to just believe what I believe. Right. No. But what Jeremiah does very well is he sits, listens, he makes a decision based upon the information he's given, and he goes with it, and he sees it through. Right. That's leadership. It's not abrasive. It's not, you know, this, I'm right, ergo, you do what I say. It's right. very much like, what are your concerns? How do we fix this? And in his case, how do we fix this in a way that makes everybody a little bit more free? Right. Uh, the only thing that I haven't seen him give a solid opinion on is whether or not they should move that statue. I know he's very uh, Jeremiah needs to come out with a firm opinion on this. I think uh, it's it's incumbent. I would like every listener help us troll. I would like every <laughs> listener to go to Jeremiah's Facebook page and post on his wall. What do you think about the Doughboy? All right. You Where does the doughboy go? If you if you can't spell doughboy, then you can <laughs> then you can write. What do you think about windmills? <laughs> okay, <laughs> he will be very mad at me and very annoyed at you. But in that, know that you are trolling the boss hog of liberty. Uh, all right, that's enough of this. Uh, I want to thank Christy Avery, Brandon Luke, Craig DaCosta, and Jason Doolittle for 
being $100 a month subscribers to Patreon. You guys are awesome, and I appreciate it very much, and I appreciate everybody who who is a subscriber at the $25, $10, and $5, and $1 level, uh, and even some of our PayPal people. We still have some scragglers almost a year later. So thank you guys for making this show financially possible. Uh, it is because of your financial contributions that people are writing and saying, wow, thank you, I'm getting therapy. Uh, I, I sit behind the microphone and I do this, but I wouldn't have the ability to reach anyone at this point or as many people as I do. It is because you guys pay the bills and help me reach a lot of different people. And as you can hear, we've got a lot of really cool things that we want to do. It's going to take some resources to do all that stuff. So I would appreciate your help. So thank you for joining us. You can you can uh, join Patreon. I should probably say this at wearelibertarians.com or patreon.com slash wearelibertarians and become a subscriber there. Even even a dollar. We appreciate yeah. it. Just uh, throw something into the kitty. If you enjoy the show, if you get something out of it, if you feel that it is important for people to hear, then uh, please yeah. don't, uh, don't just sit idly by. At the very bare minimum, share the show. I was looking back at some of the stats. We are now getting um, ten to twelve thousand downloads on some of our top episodes. Uh, most of the shows are getting around seven, but we're 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 creeping up and up. So uh, we're reaching a really uh, big group of people, and yeah. it is because you guys help. And uh, if all seven to twelve thousand of you could share an episode that is your favorite. And say these guys are awesome, or go to libertarianpodcast.com and uh, share that and say, hey, love all these podcasts, especially we're libertarians, and uh, that would be stellar and appreciated. So, all right, we will see you next week. I will be here Tuesday with Harry, and then uh, Thursday I will be traveling, but uh, we'll have a show from Porkfest Friday morning. Uh, and then I'll probably post that when I get back uh, Saturday, Sunday. Looking forward so, to it. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited yeah. to, to go LARP. Liberty so, LARP. Oh, are you LARPing? I'm gonna no. I'm Liberty LARPing. Oh yeah, going up and pretending to be free <laughs> with all of the handcaps. Are you gonna mud wrestle Paxton? Uh, Paxton, I told the story already. He already left. He rage quit the group. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so happy. Uh, You're gonna be on here. some kind of drugs this weekend, huh? Oh, Liberty. That's my drug. <laughs> all right, thanks guys for joining us, and we Liberty will see drugs. you next week. We'll do better next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Libertarians. I'm amazed you made it to the very end, and I appreciate that. And that means that you were a true fan of We Are Libertarians, and any true fan of We Are Libertarians should listen to our other podcasts. We have a whole network of shows. We have The Chris Spangle Show, where I talk about many of my varied interests that aren't political, a lot of podcasting talk, if you're interested in getting involved in podcasting. The Brian Nichols Show. Brian talks to a lot of different folks from the left, the right, the center, libertarian movement. If you love We Are Libertarians, you will love The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty. The Boss Hog has basically created a media empire in his small town and has taken over along with his co-host, Dakota Davis. I think it's really interesting to see how they've built a media network, and I encourage you to do the same. Upward Political Training, it's a podcast where I've put a lot of training for libertarians on how to spread the message. The cost, this is a podcast where we break down the human costs of government policy, so be sure to check that out. Raw Audio Politics, where basically I take unedited speeches and interviews and stuff that I want to listen to, and I put it in a podcast feed for you. Miranda's World, Miranda is one of the 
craziest human beings in a good way that I've ever met. She's so entertaining and so much fun, and I think you will love that. And who could not listen to Tad Talk? Tad Western brings you the rootness, tootness, good time this side of the Mississippi. So be sure to check that out. He's one of the funniest human beings that I know. And if you are chubby and you need to get in shape, then you can't outrun the fork with Brett Bittner, where he talks about keto. Yes, I gave Brett Bittner a show. And you can check out a bunch of other podcasts at libertarianpodcasts.com. I have put together all of my favorite libertarian podcasts up there at libertarianpodcast.com, including our friends Lions of Liberty, The Lava Flow, The Johnny Rocket Launchpad, uh, The Scott Horton Show is one that I definitely think you should be listening to. So go check that out. Lots of great libertarian podcasts out there. You may not know where to start. Start there. And we've also got a comprehensive list of all the Libertarian podcasts I can find. Thank you for listening. And if you love We Are Libertarians, please check out all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.